Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome guess what day it is huh hump day should never forget about the fact that it's hump day in st louis carrie davis super bowl champion carrie davis randy Carricker. good to have you with us we were just distraught over the blues allowing a goal last night and the lack of effort and hustle and it's just awful and now we got this terrible weather coming we batting down the hatches kids we got one coming today (laughs) And uh, I will tell you, at 7 o'clock, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. CD, how you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing better than the Blues are. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Okay. So we had bad coming out of the lockout. 0506 for the St. Louis Blues was bad. I mean, really bad. And they got a young bunch of young players. John Davidson became the president. They had this great ad campaign, Come Grow With Us. And ultimately, that young group, people like David Perron and Alex Petrangelo, he came a little bit later, but uh, T.J. Oshie, David Backus, they did grow up and became mm-hmm. a pretty good team for the Blues. We were talking, C.D., and we're going to get to the game, a 4-1 loss last night in Carolina, about the number of guys that you look at when, uh, among the Blues that played last night who you, th- you could envision being tough enough. And by the way, I am I will preface this by pointing out that Kyrou's 23 and Thomas is 24. They're young players. But guys that would be tough enough to lead you to a Stanley Cup championship. Tough and gritty and good enough players. I really think the only guy on this team right now that a Stanley Cup champion would say, okay, that guy can be a top six guy for us would be Braden Chen. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, you, we talk about – so I had a running back coach who used to always say, y'all, y'all chewing on rocks today? You chewing on uh, glass? You, you got you to gotta be chewing on sandpaper, something with some grit, something, something tough to, to, to make you want to bite back and, and be more aggressive than your opponent. And if you're not chewing on glass, if you're not chewing on rocks – you're not really a tough guy, and you're not gonna really be able to have success yeah. for a long time. I'm at, you can if you are a, a a skillful player. You don't have to be a tough player when you're extremely skilled. You, God gave you something that He didn't give the rest of us. God bless you. Tip, tip mm-hmm. your hat to Him. But for the rest of us, you got to have some guys that are that are chewing on glass and and excited about confrontation, and not in terms of punching people in the face, but 
playing their butts off, playing playing as hard as they can, skating back as hard as they can, Randy. It's 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 nauseating, I think, sometimes to to see people not give full effort. We were just watching the first goal mm-hmm. by the Hurricanes and I feel like Barbashev could have hustled back just a little bit more. He He's kind of peeking around to see, well, is he going to pass? Well, guess what, sir? If you get to him, he can't shoot or pass. Go for it, right? There's He, he, he can't. It's it's not a straight line game, and that's exactly what Craig Berube needs. And that was a goal by Andrei Svechnikov just a minute 26 into the game, one nothing in favor of the Hurricanes. Then at the 7.57 mark, Svechnikov scores again. Jarvis and Brent Burns with the assists. It's a 2 nothing lead for Carolina after a period. 3.59 into the second, though. Here come the Blues. Braden Shen works it in. Tried to center to Levo. Levo, great strength on the stick. They shoot, they score! Falk puts the Blues on the board. It's 2-1. to 16-01 to go, second period. And so the Blues are in it. But in the second period at the 16-36 mark, Sebastian Ajo scored from Svechnikov and Burns, making a 3-1 game. And then at the end of the game, uh, 2-25 of the third, the... the uh, the Hurricanes get a goal from Jarvis, and they win it by a score of 4-1. to one. The Blues, nominally, their two best players, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, had tough nights. Craig Bruby on the Robert Thomas line. Yeah, they just didn't, they didn't generate much, um, you know, offensively, obviously. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't work themselves into enough separation and, and make enough plays in the offensive zone, that's for sure. So um, we're going to need those guys to produce, and, um, you know, they're on the wrong side of it tonight. You, you got to – Randy, I think those two guys are extremely talented, right? But the the effort I, – I, we've talked about so, much, so many times about the, the defense or lack thereof, and, and more times than not, it's not just the defenseman. It's definitely not the goalie. It's the forwards getting back, back checking, sprinting, so to speak, hustling to get back and make sure that they are not allowing so mm-hmm. many shots on goal. You get your opportunities to score. Uh, they had an odd man rush there, Barbashev and, and Kairou did. Uh, Kairou made a, a tough pass and Barbara bounced off his stick, to, which led to the first goal of the game. It's, it's frustrating, I think, to, to watch this team because you know if you just do what Craig Berube is asking you to do, play with effort, play a 200-foot game, straight line, be, be, be more physical, then you are going to have success. But if you are not – if that's not your style of play, if you've never been brought up that way, if you haven't had to play that way because you were so skilled and you didn't have to have, to have that type of effort, it's hard to fix that or correct that at this level. You're going to have to find some guys that do have that, that grit and that toughness and that will – to do the things, the the minor details that maybe some of the skilled guys aren't willing to do at this point. I'll be interested to see how Doug Armstrong builds this team going forward. Right now, by the way, the Blues are sitting with 55 points, and the playoffs are a pipe dream. They're 12 points out of playoff spot, but the first pick in the draft isn't a pipe dream. Right now, they only lead Vancouver by six points. Vancouver could chase them down. They've got Rick Tockett coaching them now. Arizona also has 49 points, and the Blues have some games coming up against Arizona. So the Blues could call it uh, fall into easily the third worst record in the league. Randy. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, is that something to look forward to? Yeah, because if you have the third worst record, you got a much better chance of getting the number one pick. Okay. Well, okay. If, that's, if that's the route we're going, if you're going to be good at something, be good at it, Randy. 
And if you're going to be good at being bad, then do that. Sunshine, lollipops, and <laughs> rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. All right, CD, good news. Okay, what you got? Former Blue Ryan O'Reilly, a hat trick. Oh, and that was the difference for the Maple Leafs in the 6 3 win over Buffalo. <laughs> That's good news for him. Yeah, good could, news. I mean, could have used three, four goals here last yeah, night. Would have been nice. Would have yeah. been nice. All right. But he wasn't coming back, and the Blues were able to get picks for him. And now people around the league will say, okay, well, if Ryan O'Reilly wasn't performing well in St. Louis, Maybe it was the organizational culture at the moment. Doug Armstrong has questioned that culture this year. Maybe Ivan Barbashev is better than what we've seen, and maybe we can give up a number one and another pick for Ivan Barbashev. Maybe. And maybe that's what you're looking at. I don't know, Randy. At this point, I was watching O'Reilly after he scored that third goal. He had a, the huge, a huge smile on his face. Just mm-hmm. looks like it's fun. You know, winning is winning fun. Is- Scoring goals yeah. is fun. Um we like winning. Yeah, you should. It's it's why you play the game, Randy. Mm-hmm. No one, no one that I know, you know, plays the game just to play the game. I used to hate the saying, "It's not whether you win or lose; it's how you play the game." Now, who the hell? Well, why the hell they keep score? We we play to win the game, and so he's having fun. The Blues aren't having much fun right now, and and maybe, you know, maybe what you're speaking about about barbership, maybe another team is looking at him and saying, "Hey." He, you can see the success that Tarasenko has had early, briefly with his his stint with the Rangers. You've seen what what O'Reilly did last night, scoring three goals with the Maple Leafs. Maybe there's something else. And and now, if you're the Blues, you're looking at it and saying, "Hey, all right, well, we got four first round picks. Let's yeah. let's, let's make something happen." Someone didn't love you enough when you were little, did they? <laughs> it did happen. It did okay. Maybe that's not the one. Maybe we want to go here. Hello, you play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. Yeah, I thought the first one was kind of a cheap shot at carry. That was, that was a little... It was a cheap shot at uh, what's going on with your St. Louis Blues. Cheap now, shot nonetheless. Now, Randy, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it here, but we're going to talk about it around 845 and at 930. That's the voice of Matthew Rocky, are, by the way. Are you as... Uh, nine minutes. Uh, are you as sunshine and lollipops about the other potential moves beyond Barbashev, whether it be moving other players or acquiring other Who? players? I don't know. Maybe forwards from San Jose or defensemen on eight-year contracts. I'm, I generally don't engage in stupid hypotheticals. I think that's a bad <laughs> thing to do. So uh, yeah, we, we we can talk about it, but I'm not going to engage in it. What's the difference between talking about and engaging in it? Well, because the, I'm not going to give it any credence as being true because the Blues can't, and we're talking about Timo Meyer, Blues can't afford to sign Timo Meyer. So why would you give up assets when you've been trying to get rid of things so that you don't lose them for nothing? Why would you give up things for something that you aren't going to have? And the Blues are not signing Timo Meyer. Right? They don't have the cap space. Even with the trades of O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Barbachev, they don't have the cap space. He does make a lot of money. So does he, he does he score a lot of goals? He does get a lot of points yeah, in the goals. Well, yes. Then he's a should, nice player. We should maybe find someone that does that. Could have signed Tarasenko. <laughs> well, there you go, Randy. Hey, yeah. What? Right? What do we know? Yeah. I mean, that's. Well, it, it just doesn't make in, sense. In, in really, in real, in real, realistically, where where do they go? Because I know there are a lot of Blues fans that bleed Blues, mm-hmm. like they bleed blue. They want to see this team have success. And you come out of the break pretty much on fire. You think, okay, well, wow, we have a chance here 
to maybe make a playoff push, and then you make a few trades. You you, you traded Tarasenko before the before you started back, and you came out on fire. Then you trade O'Reilly and, and Achari, and now you're looking at this team and saying, where the hell are the goals going to come from? Where is the effort going to come from? Where is the, the heartbeat, the soul of the team going to come from? And someone, the, Randy, and, and, and here's the thing. They are all professional hockey players. They are mm-hmm. all professionals. They get paid for a living to do this. It's not, and this is why it's so important. The hell with what the team wants to do, Randy. There are men on that roster that if they don't perform well, will not be in the NHL next year. Right. And so if I am on the, the cusp, if I'm one of those guys that's on the brink of either NHL, AHL, or at home sitting on my couch, I'm going to bust my butt every you single to, time right? I get out there and I don't give a damn how everybody else feels. I don't care if you and if you're not giving full effort, me and you are going to have a problem mm-hmm. because you're affecting my livelihood. Here's the way I look at this, Carrie, and I know this is really cold and unemotional, and I am somebody who invests emotionally in sports. You know I do, but here's the thing. When situations like this arise, I always go back to this. The cemeteries are full of indispensable people. <laughs> Damn. Right? You, you, oh, we can't lose that guy. Yeah. Boston, Boston Bruins, we can't lose Bobby Orr or, or Phil Esposito because we'll never win another cup. Well, you know what? You're going to wind up with the best record in the history of hockey yeah. this year. I don't see Bobby Orr skating around for them. Yeah. I don't see yeah, Phil Esposito. So. You know, they, can the Cardinals ever win again with Stan Musial retiring? He retired after 63. You know what yeah. happened in 64? They won the World Series. It happens all the time. So everybody is replaceable. Even, even, well, it's not like the Steelers won a Super Bowl since you left, but most people. (laughs) They they have not. They haven't. You know, Randy, I I don't know. I don't know. You know, know, I don't know. But it happens. (laughs) All right. uh, Billikens blew a 15-point lead last night, lost to Richmond 81-78. Mizzou, though, beats Mississippi State, Mississippi, M-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. I got it. Uh, they win it 66-64. to Timeouts for Missouri. Honor lets it fly. Honor rattles home the three! Oh! Kerry Davis was stoic as that highlight was played. Stoic, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> that's all I'm worried about, Rock. You know what that highlight sounds like, Randy? It's not a side bet here. An eight seed. That sounds like an eight seed. I don't care what Joe already says. It sounds like an eight seed. Two last second shots are going to get them to be a nine a, a, a nine seed or higher. That, that, you know, that, that happens. It is what it is. Also, so there was a reporter last night who did what you just did, Randy, and they just, they just tweeted out, M-I-S-I-P-P-I. <laughs> and I was like, and, and, and the thing is, though, I was, I was like, that's the that's the thing you do when you try to say it really fast. Everyone screws it up the same way. Were you pleased today? You, you, you forget the first one. Yeah, I, I came back and nailed it though. Hey, right on spot. Pretty good. It's like Carrie with the president's song. All right. Yeah. yeah, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. It is going to rain, by the way. We're going to have really high. And I know that hey, we're having strong winds last night in uh, the Valley of the Sun. Keep an eye on the weather out there. Uh, keep, on, keep an eye on the weather in here. It's a yeah. sauna. Oh, it is. But outside, <laughs> well, it's 60 degrees outside. Hot takes from a hot studio today, boys. Yeah. And if you haven't watched the news, and uh, we, we'll we get into storm mode here later in the show, but as the news uh, unfolds and here the sports news unfolds, we also want, you keep, want to keep you up to date on the weather, and we will have traffic and weather together as 
this edition of the opening drive continues. But next up, good news for the Ascension Charity Classic and our buddy Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic going to join us to talk about what's happening next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up in a few minutes, so if you want to get your text in right now, you can to the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646 is the text line. Right now, though, Carrie and Randy go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Nick Rigone from the Ascension Charity Classic joins us. Big weekend for Bernhard Langer, and uh, he obviously will be here in St. Louis at the Ascension Charity Classic coming up in uh, the fall. And uh, first of all, Nick, good morning. How are you doing? Happy New Year's. It's still too, uh, is it too late to say Happy New Year? But I haven't talked to you guys in a while, so Happy New Year. Thank you. Yeah, because we haven't spoke spoken, uh, you have that ability, if you so desire, to say Happy New Year to us, and Happy New okay. Year to you as well. Uh, let's start with Longer, 45th win on the Champions Tour over the course of the weekend. Uh, he's amazing. I tweeted out the ageless wonder. He's truly ageless. And 45 significant. It ties um, Hale Irwin's all-time record. That, you know, after 50 to win 45 times or longer now, nearly 65. And it's poignant because Hale is, uh, you know, he's been a big part of the charity classic. He's uh, called St. Louis home for a long time now. And so they're tied. And, you know, I know Longer is going to try to beat that record. And wouldn't it be interesting, uh, Randy Carey, if the storyline coming into the Charity Classic is that they were tied and, and Longer played well here last year, he didn't win, but it'd be an interesting storyline if he threatened that record in St. Louis. Hey, Nick, do you have any golfers that are turning 50 this year that you all are maybe eyeballing to, to be a part of the tournament? Absolutely do. We have two two big ones. One who's already committed, so Stuart Sink, um, who won on the PGA Tour at 49, is playing the best golf of his career, really, former British Open champion, will definitely be in the field. In fact, he's a, an Ascension brand ambassador. We're thrilled to have him on the team, and he's been playing fantastic golf. I mean, he was, uh, I, mean, I think he made the Tour Championship last year of the PGA Tour, so playing some of the best golf of his life. And then Noda Begay third, who's um, four-time winner on the tour, good, good friends with Tiger Woods, a Golf Channel analyst. He's committed to be out there full-time. And Justin Leonard just announced, and he had a top uh, four finish this week, that he's going to be full-time. He's given up the Golf Channel, going to be full-time on the Champions Tour. He's another brand ambassador. He'll be in the field. And so uh, we have a great, great field this year. I will tell you, if I can quickly say, uh, Back in November, I was at the PGA Tour Partners meeting. There's about 20 of us, and somebody named Tiger Woods happened to be there with Rory. And so I had a chance to talk to Tiger for probably four or five minutes, and we started talking about the Charity Classic, and he knew about Norwood Hills, and he knew about the history in Hogan. And I said, well, we'll see you out there in about three and a half years. And he goes, 3.2 years to get my cart ready. So I said, we will have your cart ready. And he played um, He played really well out at L.A. this week. You know, he's still walking as a challenge. But, he, you know, 180-mile-per-hour ball speed, he's hitting it past JT and, in some cases, Rory. And I really am convinced when he turns 50, he's going to be ready to compete again, legitimately win. And with a cart on the Champions Tour, he's going to do it. And we're – I'm excited. We're really going to make sure he comes out here. Nick, we're going with us from the Ascension Charity Classic. And, Nick, I've seen you out there each of the last couple of years, the first two years. And it's hard to imagine that the Charity Classic could get bigger and better than it was in 2022. What do you have on tap to make it bigger and better in 2023? 
Couple things, and thank you for that. We went from two hundred twenty-five thousand in charity with no tournament to eight hundred thousand to one point three million last year. And um, two things we're going to do different this year. One is we're moving our APJ Classic, which is the Advocates PGA Tour, up till uh, early August, so that we give them more space, so that we really focused on that event as a run-up to the Charity Classic. So last year we had our APJ event the same week, and this year we're going to move it up. And then the second thing is we're working on, I'm not sure if we'll pull it off for this year, but definitely next year, a concert, you know, a, a concert act, both a, maybe a comedian and a music act to supplement that week. We really want it to be Ascension Charity Classic Week. Uh, the state of Missouri has leaned into it and our big sponsors like Emerson Worldwide and others. And so we're working on that. And the ultimate goal is to increase on the charity number. You know, I'm looking at that 1.3 million and saying we have to do better. Hey, Nick, you talked about Tiger Woods and, and he said 3.2 years. You all have done a great job. But what would uh, uh, getting a Tiger Woods here to play in that tournament mean for, for you all? You know, anytime, Carrie, anytime Tiger enters any field, you saw the genesis. It makes a good event great. I mean, it, it has a major feel to it. My true feeling is if Tiger played, and I do think he's going to play a semi-regular schedule on the Champions Tour, and he's looking at some of the bigger markets. And he had said to me in his remarks, he said, I love playing in St. Louis. He said, I've loved the PGA at Belle Reve. He said it was one of the best experiences he's ever had. And so I think it would, you know, it already feels like a PGA Tour event. If Tiger actually played, it would feel like, uh, 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 it'd feel like a major. That's mm-hmm. how big it would be. I mean, they're, um, you know, the, the commissioner of the PGA Tour has worked with Tiger to make him feel, you know, like when you're, when you're tour 50 and you can play, you get the cart now. Tiger said he can hit the ball, right? He can hit the ball great. I mean, he hit the ball wonderful at Genesis and at the father-son PNC. It's just walking. And so I think it's going to have a major feel to it. Hey, Nick, one more thing from me, and that's in regards to the results of the charities that uh, you provide. $1.3 million, as you m- mentioned last year. I don't know anybody from Marygrove, but I do talk to people from the Urban League of Greater St. Louis. I talk to people from the Boys and Girls Club of Greater St. Louis. And there are absolute concrete results now that are coming out of the fact that this tournament exists. That must be so heartening for you. It's one thing to raise money, but then another thing to see that money go to work. I mean, Randy, you hit the nail on the head, and, and I talk, uh, Mike McMillan and Flint Fowler are two of the great leaders in our community, and Mary Grove truly does God's work, and uh, I talk to them, and I, and I always, I'm so impressed at the lives it touch. It's not, the money's not an abstraction, it's not a talking point, it's not a dollar figure for me to say in interviews. It changes people li- people's lives, especially over the last couple of years when, when people needed help and charities needed help. And to see the difference it makes in the community and to be inspired to, you know, we're expanding the number of charities, which I, uh, last year we did and this year we're going to continue. And it's about touching lives, changing lives, and making a difference for the long term. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Nick, it's always great to have you on. And we always are excited about the Ascension Charity Classic coming up again this year. It's September 8th to 10th, correct? Uh, so, yeah, the 8th through the 10th, the week of the 4th, right after Labor Day, which is our spot in the calendar. We're super excited and waiting for the weather to turn warm. So we could, i got to get you two out there so I could test your games a little bit. I would We're, love it. <laughs> hey, if I walk on a course, my game gets tested. You know that. <laughs> Take care. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That is our buddy Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic. By the way, speaking of Tiger, uh, he pranked. Justin Thomas last week. He uh, they were walking yeah. down the fairway, yeah. and uh, he uh, outdrove Justin Thomas. And yeah. joke that I thought was actually pretty funny is uh, they're walking down, and he covertly passes a tampon to yes. uh, to Justin Thomas. It was, hey, uh, I outdrove you, okay? Because there's a reason that women hit from the the, the red tees. All right. 
Christine Brennan, who is this holier-than-thou columnist for USA Today, and I don't know if she's ever laughed in her life, Mm -hmm. but she's got this column about it. And I'm a girl dad. My daughter plays golf. I thought it was very funny. Yes. I thought it was great. And so people just have to rain on the parade of funny things. Listen, it was a joke between two friends. It's not for public consumption. It's not for everyone. A cameraman obviously zoomed in to see what he was doing and, you know, Took a picture of, of of a cameraman or camerawoman. Took a picture of what that was. It, it, it was between those two. I hate that he had to apologize yeah. or, or you know make a make amends for what it, we. Randy, don't let's not. You know what? I'll save it for sick of it one day this week. Okay, I guess good, I, yeah. I, I'm. I, I get sick of people and they're they're you know sensitive feelings at times. It was a joke. It wasn't for everyone, and so you know. It was really you were in his business. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes. yeah. But Ma- many times it wasn't a hurtful or harmful joke. Yeah, I don't think. Right. It was, many it was times, if if people send a nasty text to the Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. By the way, Ask Uncle Randy is coming back. Many times, I will end a response on the text line by doing hashtag Choose Happy. Mm-hmm. There's another thing for you today: choose laughter. Yeah. You know what? If something happens. Don't be out. Make your first reaction to be laughter rather than outrage. I think you'll lead a much happier life if you choose laughter over outrage. It's just me talking. Uh, we we tend to laugh a little bit here in the studio. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, ask Uncle Randy coming up. Here we are. Okay, how'd you do on uh, Valentine's Day, boys? Hope you did did okay. And uh, we've got more. Uh, Valentine's Day weekend. I mean, that was part of the deal. But now we're heading into the spring. We're heading into that time of young love that provides energy and laughter and excitement for so many people. And if you have any questions about it, any comments about it, any concerns about it, that's why Randy is here. It's Ask Uncle Randy next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Ask Uncle Randy, whatever you got for us. Send in your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That would be, if you use the letters on your phone, 314-399-YO-HO. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, what, Matthew, what do you got for us? Randy, I'd like to first of all just thank Al Pacino for all the movies he did uh, in the late 80s and early 90s that just gave us the best sound bites ever if i would if i were the man i was five years ago i'd take a flamethrower to this place again i don't even re- i don't even need to watch them but the four or five seconds of glee they give me through clips like that unbeatable no, i'm unbeatable. just getting warmed up was that him in like 84 and as john kioski nice our esteemed our esteemed general manager when he's driving into work often says what kind of a show are you guys putting on here today (laughs) uh he's not wrong yeah that's fair um that's fair uh dear uncle randy my girlfriend is now wanting me to go to austin for a bachelor party and come on the city game let's go boys it's literally going to be golf and barbecue is there a way to convince her that that it's not what she sees in the movies or is it time to consider something else no, you just tell her the truth. Say, hey, we're going to play golf. We're going to the city game. We're going to go out to eat. And just say, this is reality. Guys like to get together and do stuff like this. We're actually the majority that gets together and likes to do stuff like this. And you can have your friends weigh in and say, hey, we're just going to we're going to play golf and have fun. And we don't need to do those things in Austin, Texas to have fun. I agree. You don't need, you know, you don't need, you don't need, all need that to stuff, convince yeah. her. Dear Uncle Randy, what about this thought? A traded player is able to stay and play one last game before reporting to the new team. Think of all the kids that arrive at a game wanting to see their favorite player only to learn he has been traded hours before. Lovely thought. Lovely thought. But this is a business. Aside from the ACL tear. It's <laughs> <laughs> a business, baby. Yeah, no. It's a love thought. Come yeah. on. Hey, we'll come back. He'll, Ryan Ry- O'Reilly will get a great video when uh, when he comes back. It's it, So that part of it will be fun. Don't worry yeah. about it. He'll, he'll be rewarded upon his return to St. Louis. And while the concept is it, it's admirable, I just don't think that it's something <laughs> that could ever really work. Hey, Uncle Randy and Cousin Carrie, having my second child next week, his first son. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hope he's named Randy. Or Carrie. Yep. Any advice on 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 being a father for a second time for the first time? Well, you had a daughter, I would assume, on the first child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, girl dad is, is it does something to you. Now you got your son and you're going to have fun because you can do, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to, experience things i mean teaching your son how to use the restroom mm-hmm. you know my son had struggled with that for a long time he was in he was in uh pull-ups for a long time mm-hmm. and and you know those things are 
exciting. There, there are so much exciting excitement with having children, uh, whether it's a boy or a girl. You get to experience raising that child and, and having fun. And the good thing about it, being your second child, you're a pro at this now, right? Yep. You've already done it once. You, you got the, the, the bumps and bruises out of the way. You learned the do's and the don'ts uh, with your first child. And the second child usually, you know, benefits. You, you tend to be a little bit more uh, lenient with the second child as well. Give here's him, here's the thing, though, about first kids. And you you learn a lot. But with the second one, you still have to remember, A, that that baby is completely helpless and is relying 100% on you and your spouse to be able to survive in the world. But then once they get to the point where they can crawl and run, don't ever forget that energy that they bring yes. into the household because it's unbelievable and you it goes, it goes you, fast. Yeah, you know with the, yeah. your first one, it's going so fast. Mm-hmm. Always keep the camera going. Always keep the video going. And it just in, because sometimes you get frustrated as a parent with the energy that the kid has. And I see parents in grocery stores, they get frustrated with the kid's energy. Yeah. I said, hey, you're going to remember that for the rest of your <laughs> life and it's going to be a great memory. Don't be upset by it. Just savor it and enjoy it because it's not going to be there forever. I used to run through the grocery store like I was a running back mm-hmm. at five, six years old, <laughs> making people miss and I would drive my mother crazy. Yep. What the hell are you doing? Sit. Uh, sorry. I'm practicing for my future life, Mom. Yeah, Don't worry it, about it. And, and it worked out. It did. So just appreciate that energy that uh, two youngsters are going to bring to the house. And yes, and your wife might not buy into this idea, but Boys and girls are wired differently. Mm -hmm. If you buy a Barbie townhouse for a daughter, okay, she's going to play house and there's, you know, they're going to dress up and stuff like that. When that Barbie townhouse is passed down to your son, there's going to be landscaping, there's going to (laughs) be fights, there's going to be dinosaurs. It's just a different thing. Yeah, it it will be completely. At times, very wired, wired, wired very differently. Uncle Randy, I'm nearly 35 and going through an unwanted divorce. I close on my new house Friday and will be living alone for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for me to kill the time and not feel so alone? Well, hopefully you have some guy friends mm-hmm. that you can come over and watch. This is where sports really comes in handy because if you invite the guys over to watch sports, it can be a galvanizing influence. And what you need to do is just keep your friends, your your true friends, close. And yes, you, you, there are things you, you can immerse yourself in your job. Mm-hmm. You can immerse yourself in uh, some. It doesn't have to be television, but but a hobby. And just take care of you. That's the most important thing. Take take care of you. And by the way, one of the great things to do in taking care of yourself is to take care of others. If you don't want to be alone. From a charitable perspective, there are a lot of things that you can do to make others' lives really good, too. If you're closing on the house, you have the wherewithal to help other people's lives, too. So that's not a bad way to go. I agree with that. Stay busy. Enjoy mm-hmm. time with your friends and family. Uh, and, you know, just just enjoy those moments you, you can share with your, your, your loved ones. Yep. And hopefully that unwanted divorce is an amicable one mm-hmm. and you're able to go through life at your age, 35, and still be reasonable. Got a lot of life left. Yeah, right. So enjoy yeah. the time, yeah. the things that you enjoy doing. Maybe the things you didn't get a chance to do as much. Mm-hmm. You'll enjoy some of those things. Some po- At some point in your life, you might be shocked, absolutely stunned that the one is out there. You just never know. 
Diego Rainey, I'm confused. Why would the Blues trade Barbie? At some point, don't you have to sign players to fill roles? If you had them in-house playing, wouldn't it? <laughs> if you have them already in-house playing, wouldn't it be better? From a salary cap perspective, it just doesn't make sense for them, and they are up against it with the salary cap already. Mm-hmm. The Thomas contract, the Cairo contract, the Buchnevich contract. Uh, you've got four defensemen, three of them making six and a half, and another one making four million. You've got your goalie making six million, and you have an eighty-two, eighty-three million dollar cap. So the Blues are up against it, and if they signed Barbashev then they wouldn't be able to fill out the rest of the roster. That's the biggest issue, is you need to sign four or five million dollar guys or have young guys come up like Snuggerud next year or maybe Bullduke who has not had the best year. But you're, you're going to need to bring up young guys, but you have to be able to pay them and the minimum in the league is virtually a million dollars. So you're going to need that four or five, six million dollars that a guy like Barbashev would command to pay multiple players. Randy, uh, somebody texted and said, Uncle Randy, you forgot to tell that young man that there are girls that work in the evening, they're trying to finish their college degree, and you can always go help them in, with their education. And that's that's a great well, charity. I, I, it, it is. I wasn't... <laughs> wasn't we weren't going to go there. Uh, but again, if you have some they, buddies... Uh, here's the thing. They don't just work in the evenings. I mean, they work in the <laughs> afternoons, too. Yeah. You don't have to be there all night. From what I've been told, I... I, I don't, yeah. don't, don't go to those places when the sun's still up. Yeah. <laughs> That's just that's, my personal. That's just my so, personal piece of advice. Might be leaving, the best time to go. Leaving is different. Know. Here's the thing. Don't go though. Ultimately, <laughs> when uh, those young ladies who are working their way through college, and we appreciate that they need to do it. I mean, they need to get an education at some point. But they might tell you that they love you, and they really don't. So just be careful. <laughs> they, they they will do that from time <laughs> to time. Was, I, don't think, I don't think he was saying it for that reason. I think it was more of a. <laughs> Just like a you know a charitable thing, like you were saying, he has some yeah. disposable income. Why not mm-hmm. help the people? Yeah, the man of the people. Okay, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy, and thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. I'm I'm kind of sorry that it went that direction rather than the direction of uh, young love headed toward the springtime. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Never know. Yeah, yeah never there's know. A lot of, there's a lot of you know it's going to be a rainy day despite it being you know 50, 60 degrees. So. A lot of time before the spring, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we want to hear from you with Take It or Leave It. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy with Teoli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something. I'm going to put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. We have the text line open for you, 314-399-9646. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, and CD, word that drastic changes could be coming to the Madden NFL video game, citing sources, Insider Gaming reports that the Madden 24 game is being considered a make-or-break game for the 35-year-old franchise. If it doesn't sell well, then there could be no more Madden. Take it or leave it, Madden has become too difficult. Uh, I'm gonna leave it. Madden is a is a staple. It is a standard for video games. It is the game that you know all the professional football players 
wait to 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 see what they're rated what they're rated as um and and consumers enjoy the game i i would hate to see this game go away think about i don't know if you 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 all pay attention but when college football the ncaa game was uh removed and and not allowed to have anymore because of the name image and likeness in in that time frame a lot of people were very frustrated that that you're not able to to have those uh those games available for them so yeah i'm i'm I am a Madden fan. I am a, a a college football fan in terms of the games. It was a it was a good time to be alive when you were on those games. I agree. So oh, especially if you were on those games, absolutely. I would just yeah. like it for, uh, and obviously there, there's tons of people that do like the technical aspect of it. I just think that it is there's too much involved for me mm-hmm. to be good at it anymore. And I felt like I was okay at I, it before. I just got beat by my son by yep. thirty the other day. Here's it the pro- here's pretty the thing. bad. One thing, and, and I'm noticing this as somebody who who played a, a lot of video games when I was twelve and still plays a fair amount of video games now that I'm in my thirties. Um, I I'm just not I'm not as good as I used to be. Like my my reflexes are legitimately yes. slowing down. It's a young man's game. And so like I'm not as good as Madden as I was. And it don't, I don't think it's because of Madden because you can you can you can play with the sliders. And you can make the game as harder or, or as mm-hmm. difficult as you want. The problem is the game's just I, I I play it I play the current one now. There's just no depth to it anymore. It used to be like Madden used to be fun if you were a football fan. To and the now t- and now it's it's fun if you like playing a football game. But if you're a deep down fan, there's too many things that pop up and you're just like, well, that's unrealistic, and it kind of breaks the <laughs> breaks the realism. They gotta yeah. fix that game. It, it's it's bad right now. Texts three one four three nine 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 six four six. Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. Contreras hits a solo. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me see these. Oh, take it or leave it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, CD. Twenty five games left in the regular season for the Blues. Take it or leave it. They go seven and eighteen, but get an opportunity to get a number one pick. You're okay. I'll take it. Yes. Not guaranteed though. No, it's a lottery. Seven and eighteen. Though, I'll take my chances. We're the what same about, those Blues. What about five and twenty? I like my chances even better. You're okay with losing that many games there's going no down difference, the stretch? For me, there's no difference at all, Kerry, between 7 and 18 or 5 and 20. None. <laughs> okay, what about, uh, is there a number yeah, that, that is no too much? Seven wins over the next 25 games seems brutal. It would be, yeah. I've I mean, before, I, think, I think we, if we look at a time, a stretch of time during the season, we may have had that at some point. We, we had a couple of... Long lose. I don't know. We Not lost that, that many games. Yeah, Not it wasn't that bad. It, eight eight in a row was really bad. To lose that many out of the last twenty five games, Randy would my eyeballs would be hurting. It wouldn't be fun to talk about on a no. daily basis. I'll tell you that. No, I don't want to berate these guys and you know talk bad about them. Well, I want them to perform to, well. Here's the thing. They. It, it's kind of like what I thought earlier in the season, but it's more pronounced now. They can play as well as they can play and get beat four to one. That's going to be a long, long twenty-five game stretch, sir. Yes, it is. All right, now to your text, Matthew. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Is Al Pacino overrated? Huh? Who? Wh- what type of person? What type? No, leave it. Next question. We don't even. Do we need to get into that? Do no, we he's need not to discuss overrated. that? He's not overrated. Why would you say Al Pacino? Why? What would make one think that Al Pacino is overrated? He's properly rated. No one, no one sits back and says, "You know what? I really think Al Pacino's got another Godfather in him." No one says that. Everyone knows what you hire Al Pacino for now, which is to be eccentric and look kind of good in, in a suit. Yeah, that's well, that's what you hire Al Pacino that. for now. He's properly rated. There's a reason that people win Oscars and that people go to see their movies when actors are that yeah. way. 
you can not have a taste for an actor. For example, mm-hmm. I can totally take or leave any Tom Cruise movie, but I know that there's enough people out there that want to see his work that he's not overrated. I I don't know. I, I, it would be hard for me to say that anybody that made it to that status, that level, is overrated mm-hmm. in their craft. I think there's it's underrated lot, guys. Yeah, they're <laughs> underrated, but it's a lot of work to become a professional at whatever you're a professional mm-hmm. at, not sports or, or movies or whatever. It's, it's it's tough. Fans never understand when we try to have an overrated, underrated conversation because somebody texts in and just goes, he's an overactor. Yes, our point is is that no one that no one doesn't expect that from Pacino. You see Pacino in a movie, you expect him to overact. Therefore, he can't be un- un- overrated because Maybe you know what just... you're going to get from the guy. It's going to be weird, eccentric, kind of oh, crazy. It's going to be is... kind of like a lighter Gary Busey. This is going the wrong way. Someone texted in Scarface is overrated. That's a correct. And that's, that's, no, that's, that's I, a, I got to no, draw the line. Take. That's a good take. I have it is it it, it is a class. You know what? Just Next take, sir. Bad movie. Oh, my uh, goodness. Take it earlier. The cost of trading. You're telling me the scene in the hotel is not good movie, good TV? It's entertaining. Yeah, exactly. It, it would be good TV, right. It's a good movie scene. It's a, it's a, I mean, what are we doing? Hey, you got a chainsaw in the bathroom? What are we doing? Hey, yeah. who's, not, who's not watching who's that? Who's not entertained? Come on. Okay, fair enough. This is a very niche take. You're going to leave it. I want to see if you I think Carrie might react to this one. Take it or leave it. Heavyweights is a very underrated Disney movie. Carrie, Ben Stiller, Heavyweights. I must recuse myself. Why? Never seen it. I've never seen it either. You never saw Heavyweights. No. God, I thought that was going to catch you just no. in the age age bracket. You, you, you I'll, I'll it. You it. found it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I thought I was going to be able to catch Carrie in this I've seen a lot bit. of Disney movies as well. I, I I don't know that I've seen that one. If, if I have, it doesn't mm. ring a bell. Yeah. Take it or leave it. KBO baseball is not that great. Yeah. yeah mm. got to recuse myself. Okay. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will shore up their rotation at the trade deadline. And it's enough to get into the NLCS at least. Yeah, I'll take that. What is what is what is shoring up your rotation? What are what are they missing, or what are they going to need let's, at that point? Let's say it's a because everyone's going to stay healthy the entire season and play pitch every fifth day. So what are, what are we going to have to shore up let's, let's, that we couldn't have done in the offseason? Let's talk. Let's say it's 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 a it's a Quintana move when it was made, not how good he ended up being. So kind of like that, like a little bit a little replacing bit less who. Than that. Whoever, whoever's you're saying someone's Hopefully not injured. Jack Flaherty. If it's Jack Flaherty, then I don't think you can shore up hmm. that problem. I don't like it. I, I'm going to take it. They'll uh, St. Louis fans are going to love Shohei Otani. Oh well, sign me up then. If that's <laughs> yeah. where where's where he going to play? Uh, he's a starting pitcher, and uh, yeah, he could be a DH. Okay, I, I mean, because the outfield is packed. I mean, yeah, we would move some people around. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, <laughs> somebody. How's he? How, how are you? I mean, Dylan Carlson's. <laughs> Somebody got to go, right? Uh, Somebody's being traded for him. Take it or leave it. Tory Krug will be the first contract that Army will ever buy out. Ooh, interesting. Uh, What does he have left? Let's get that for you. Um, I want to say four by 28. Or four years, 28 total or something like that. He makes six and a half a year. Oh, six and a half a year. A little bit under then. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Go to Cap Friendly here, and his deal runs through 2026. 27. 27? Yep, 26-27. Yep. So I am going to I'm, I'm leave it for this year. The, the Blues are not going to swallow two-thirds of uh, 
Twenty-six million dollars. Just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Four years, twenty-six. Not that far off. Uh, take it or leave it. I can't wait for soccer to start, so I have some more. So I have some sports to watch. And I think there might have been a little addendum on there where the team isn't already losing. <laughs> oh. Um, also, the Cardinals start pretty soon. Uh, Battlehawks. That too. Want to know, baby? Yeah. Soccer this weekend. Those going to be fun. Uh, Let's go, City. Uh, so. Let's go, the, City. The, the, the addendum. The addendum was. <laughs> what was the addendum again? <laughs> you like that? Well, I need the camera so badly. I, yeah. I wish I could have caught that. It was out of the corner of my eye. I just heard it. <laughs> the cohesion that was beautiful. Man, you guys mind melded there. Sorry. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, so my question is, is is this person thinking that if they watch City, that City's not going to lose? Yes, and we're going to talk about that at yeah. 9. He might not like the opinion from the MLS uh, writers uh, because, sorry buddy. Apparently. It's an expansion team. We, we, you don't You're really. You're going to have to roll with the, the feeling of the season more than the actual numbers maybe. You, you know what I'm saying? The Jacksonville Jaguars, Carolina Panthers, Magic from an expansion. Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights were, were pretty good. Like there. As long as they're not the Texans. Don't somebody somebody you have to have the what do you say, Randy? Somebody's got to be the best and somebody's got to be the worst. Got to be the worst. Somebody's got to be the best expansion team. Yeah, that's like Cincinnati. Somebody has to be the worst expansion team. That's Cincinnati. They they were god awful when they were expansion team. They they can be the that's the uh, Cincinnati MLS team. Yes. Okay. Because the Bengals were okay as a expansion team. Yeah, yeah. I meant I'm talking about the MLS team. My bad. All right. Thank you, sir. You got another great one that you want to get out uh, out into the public sphere. So, no, okay. I think this the, we, we had a, we had a good one uh, here, but a lot of people are a lot of people are already asking us about questions about that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Sounds good, Team of Meyer and such. All right, coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals have some position battles in camp, but what about Tyler O'Neill in center field? Could happen. That's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. I think we say that every year because it's true. There's usually a spot where you're, you're eager to see kind of how it unfolds and there's competition. Um, more than any other year, I would say there's going to be a lot of competition this year. There's a lot of spots that if you take your foot off the pedal, you will get passed. <laughs> and um, I look forward to seeing all of it. 
That is the Cardinals' second-year skipper, Ali Marmol, talking about all of the competition in Cardinals camp. And it'll be more pronounced CD this year because of the fact that you have so many players away for the World Baseball Classic. But one of the places that he referenced for competition is center field, where Tyler O'Neill last year played 21 games. He started 20 games with Dylan Carlson on the shelf and wasn't spectacular in terms of the metrics in center field, but good enough so that the Cardinals are giving him an opportunity. And while he was healthy, and this is a big while, Dylan Carlson played gold glove quality defense, but he just didn't provide any offense. And so... You need that position. It's a hard position to find offense in, but the Cardinals need that position to be better offensively than it was last year. So does that mean if Tyler O'Neill beats Dylan Carlson out for, for center field, does that mean you move Dylan Carlson to, to left field or, or potentially right field? Or is it – I'm intrigued by this because I wonder what it means in terms of how the rest of the outfield positions pan out. Who decide, Who ends up where? And, and is it – are you taking the best three outfielders regardless of position and those three are going to be the best hitters, the best fielders, you're going to find out who who deserves to be in that outfit or are you saying that Tyler O'Neill and and Dylan Carlson are competing for this center field position which means left field is open and right field is open? Is that the 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 ideology or the 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 mindset? Or if Dylan beats out Tyler, does he go move back to left field? Let's let's start with this. Is it a real competition? Is there a chance that on opening day you could have an outfield of Alec Burleson, Lars Newtbar, and Jordan Walker? That would be your starting group in the outfield? No, that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? But Dylan Carlson struggled so much last year offensively that you love Newtbar and you love Walker, then all of a sudden Dylan Carlson finds himself on the bench in another city. It's for me, Randy. It's so intriguing to see how this pans out. We we understand that Walker will be here at some point, whether it's opening day, whether it's April, May, June, whatever it is. And we all pretty much assume that when he gets here, he's going to be an everyday player. Like we don't we don't right, think he's right. going to be sitting on the bench. He's going to be an everyday player. He's going to be your right fielder. So let's just say, even if it's not opening day, let's say May May first, Jordan Walker is in right field. That's one. That's one spot that is taken. Mm-hmm. That means Newt. That means Dylan Carlson. That means Alec Burleson. That means Tyler O'Neill. Maybe Moises Gomez. I, I mean, who is going to fill out those other two other two positions? Because we know right field, or or if they, if they decide to put him in left field, we know one of the outfield spots is taken with Jordan Walker yep. at some point in the 2023 season. And I would be very surprised if Tyler O'Neill would find himself as a healthy bench player for the Cardinals. Is he going to get hurt? Yes. So if he's, he's healthy, he's playing. Yeah, but him in center field is a hamstring waiting to pop. <sighs> right? It's I, Let's just look at the history. I'm not being mean towards right. the guy. I'm just pointing out his history. But my question would be, going back to Ollie's comments about competition, is there a chance that the Cardinals' best outfield, even with Tyler O'Neill hurt, could not include Dylan Carlson. Could you see a situation where you have Gomez in left, Newt Barr in center, Walker in right? I think it's imperative that the Cardinals get to a point where they start playing the best nine guys every yeah. day, the, the group that gives them the best chance to win. Don't play Dylan Carlson because four years ago you said you'd have to pry him out of your cold, dead hands. That That is, that is for me, when you have, and I've said this time and time again, when you have your best team on the field, best team available, it's the guys that are performing the best. It's not about 
contracts. It's not about, um, you know, what you feel a guy's potential is. It's more about what he's doing at this moment. And, and as we said, Jordan Walker, he's going to get a chance to fail at the big league level. If he's not performing well, you're probably not going to sit him on the bench. You're going to keep giving because everything has shown you that he's going to trend in the right direction at some point. Moises Gomez, Alec Burleson, Newt Barr, those are three names that we don't talk about enough in terms of potentially being mm-hmm. in that outfield. I have I have long believed that uh, have long thought that Dylan Carlson could potentially be the odd man out because I know that how much they love Tyler O'Neill. I know how much they 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 think of his uh, his potential and and he's shown the potential of being a, a top ten MVP candidate if he's healthy. I think he's potentially, uh, and speaking of Dylan Carlson, I think he's potentially the odd man out when it's all said and done. Mike Claiborne joined us yesterday and reflected that that's the thought of the Cardinals, too. And he said that Tyler O'Neill came to him in the offseason and said, I want to crack at center field as well. So they're going to run him out there. This is a competition, okay? And Dylan Carlson is, is fighting for his, his career in St. Louis. So if he's fighting for his career in St. Louis, that tells me that other people are getting a legitimate opportunity. One thing that we also need to note, Kerry, about Jordan Walker, because we're all enamored and he's 20 years old. He'll turn 21 in May. But in terms of his overall minor league experience, he still hasn't seen AAA pitching yet. Yeah. So I wonder if the Cardinals in addition to the clock, and the clock isn't as significant as it was before this current CBA, the, the clock in terms of starting his service time. But I wonder if they might want to get him a little bit more seasoned, especially since he's only played less than 200 innings in the outfield, and that's going to be a spot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, get him more reps. I think spring training obviously is going to be big for him. If he comes out raking and does a, a, a spectacular job and can ha- handle himself in the field, you talked about it yesterday. He only played 200 innings and had nine putouts, uh, nine assists, nine from the assists from, yeah. from the outfield. He is a he is a guy that you you feel is so talented, can do pretty much anything, and and just getting there, getting the opportunity, is generally going to happen for him. It's going it, to, it, Randy, it, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how we talk about, we've been talking about this outfield and we've been talking about the rotation mm-hmm. for a long time. And it's it's right around the corner. We're, we're, we're approaching it and we'll be able to see which one of these guys actually is going to, some people fold under competition mm-hmm. and some people really stand up, stand tall. Cardinals will start playing games and we'll get an opportunity to see these guys starting on Saturday. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. It's 8-12, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Bernie Federko has watched this movie before with the St. Louis Blues. We'll talk to him about what they are facing next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And standing by is Hall of Famer, Bernie Federko. Always love talking to Bernie on a hump day. Good morning, sir. How you doing? 
I'm doing great, Randy. How about you guys? Everything's outstanding here. And obviously, we're all disappointed in what's transpired with the Blues over the last three games since the Ryan O'Reilly trade. A 4-1 loss to Colorado, a 7-2 loss to Ottawa, and a 4-1 loss last night at Carolina. Just give us your the 5,000-foot Bernie Federico view of what's going on here. Well, you know what, this is something that uh, I guess really kind of had to be done. Um, you know, uh, the Cup is four years ago away uh, when we look back at it, and uh, things change, the league changes, and uh, guys get older, and, and the chemistry of the team changes. And I guess that really when you look at it, uh, Doug Armstrong felt that this team was not a team that uh, for the future could compete and try to win another Stanley Cup. So. Um, I think it all started with Tarasenko, of course. I mean, I think it started maybe, guys, I mean, it always starts right right off the bat. I mean, I think we can go back to when Petrangelo left, assigned as a free agent. Uh, they brought in Falk, and then they brought in Krug. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got Schwartz leaves. He signs with, with, with as a free agent with, with Seattle. And then David Fraun this summer uh, signs with uh, Detroit. Uh, so, I mean, the change, you know, Sundquist is gone. I mean, uh, you know, we uh, Steen retired. I mean, you start adding these things down. I mean, this progression, and then all of a sudden, Tarasenko is gone because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, then O'Reilly uh, and and you know the, the deals are done. You know, O'Reilly is is, is is gone. So is Achari, uh, Mikola. So it's kind of that progression progression, guys. And and then you see a couple of key injuries right now. Um, you know, you no know Sod and no Buchnevich. So you look at this team right now, and it's bare bones right now. I mean, really, half the forwards that are on this team right now. Uh, we're playing in the minors some, at some point in time this year. Uh, so this is a team that, that right now is in transition. Um, certainly when Saad and Bumichnevich comes back, they're going to be much more competitive and they will win some games. But uh, I think it's just uh, it's the business, of the, the nature of the business right now. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing that uh, for Blues fans, I mean, it, it's temporary. And I think that we all have to look at it as a progression of the St. Louis Blues. Hey, Bernie, we all know that, that change is inevitable. You know, each team uh, is going to be different each year. You're going to have people retire, people traded, you know, things happen. What do these younger guys need to do to show that, you know, they've been brought up, they need to, they can, so, been brought up so that they can stay here and show that they can be a blue for, for years to come? Well, I think, Kerry, they're, they're just going to show what they have. I mean, um, you know, some of them, are they going to be the new leaders of the team? I mean, I think that we're seeing that uh, – you know, with uh, Thomas and Cairo, these are the two guys, I guess, if you want to call them the chosen ones. Um, they sign long-term contracts that they're kicking next, they kick in next year. So they basically are the nuclear in the future of the Blues. So it's uh, it's their chance to, to shine and, and to step up. I mean, they're going to get a lot more pressure on them. They're going to play against top teams. They're the top lines on the other teams. And sometimes they're going to get... Uh, to go head-to-head against the, the, the top players on the other lines. Other times they're going to do, um, the, you know, get a checking role against them. And it's going to be much more diff- difficult. But I think that everybody in the organization now is under the uh, uh, microscope. Um, you know, do you want to play? Can you play? Uh, what type of player are you? I mean, adversity is, is really big right now. So uh, everybody's getting an opportunity. And, um, you know, everybody's a professional. I mean, this is not – we're not dealing with kids anymore. I mean, yeah, some of them are young. Uh, but they're all professionals, as you know, and you have a job to do, so go do it. If you do your job to the best of your ability, and I think Doug Armstrong said that well when he thought the team he started this year, he thought this team could still contend and still play. But as the year progressed, he said, no, there's pieces that are are not right now, and he's going to have to change things. So uh, are you going to be the piece that's going to stay, or are you going to be the piece that's going to go? And I think that 
is what everybody's uh, trying to figure out, and then that's what everybody has to play for. Bernie, we heard Craig Bruby. He talks about playing a heavy game, being more direct often. Uh, I think that the goalie has done an outstanding job. Defensemen have done a pretty good job, but at times the forwards aren't doing that direct and, and, and being heavy and getting back and back-checking. What do you need to see from them, or, or do they have guys that can do it or just not willing to do it? Well, I think everybody's capable of doing it. I mean, checking is hard work. And, and I mean, I don't think uh, you can really put the blame on, on any one uh, person or, or, or whether it's a forward or defenseman or the goaltending. I mean, I think the goaltending, as we've talked, has been absolutely outstanding all season long. I mean, Biddington gives the Blues a chance to win. I mean, he made a number of great saves last night uh, to keep the Blues in the game to, to give him that chance. But, uh, you know, right now, um, the five, I mean, we talk about five-man units, and they're not really working together. I mean, sometimes there's a mistake that, that can be covered up by somebody else, and whether it's a defenseman can cover up for a forward or forward for a defenseman, and that's really not happening right now. There's just too many really, really good chances, but it's just a matter of, of working. And I've said that over the course of the last few games now, um, with the changes that have happened and now the injuries to both Saad and Buchnevich, um, this team has got to really almost play a real defensive game to try to win a game one nothing because they're not going to score a bunch of goals right now. So it's all checking. It's all, uh, you know, nose it to the grindstone. Make sure that uh, in a one-on-one battle that you're going to win the battle. I mean, you look at what uh, battle last night, even the Blues' only goal scored last night. I mean, it was a really good play by Levo. Uh, he won the battle with the, you know, with the stick. He, he, he got the puck away from, from fast before fast got it and, and it ends up being in the net and I think there's more things that have to happen like that the Blues have got to be um, I, I guess more um, adept at being uh, uh, you know the, 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 the winning that one-on-one battle but they're the ones that have to really uh, bear down a lot more and, and, and start winning those one-on-one battles and, and that's how you win hockey games. Bernie, I think my favorite thing about sports is developing an emotional attachment to teams and to players. And for fans, uh, don't know the players, but buy their jerseys and, and invest in them emotionally. That being said, I look at Chicago, where they're the second worst team in the league. Again, they're they're bad. Arguably, their two best forwards are Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, both 34, both uh, free agents after this season. I think... I would rather rip the Band-Aid off now than have a 34-year-old Tarasenko and O'Reilly in 2026 and be in the situation that the Hawks have been. They haven't won a playoff series since they won the Cup in 2015. I think the Blues' turnaround will be faster than Chicago's. Yeah, what's happened in Chicago too, Randy, is that, I mean, they've made it pretty clear that they're rebuilding. I mean, to not resign to Brinkett and let him go to Ottawa. I mean, -hmm. and, and I think it's the respect that they have for both Kane and Taves is the reason that they're there right now. I mean, uh, you know, that's an awful big contract too for someone else to take, even though there's only a year left. So, I mean, I think the, the, uh, you know, Hawks have have really done a a really, I I guess I would say uh, honorable thing by kind of letting both Taves and Kane decide if they want to go and where they want to go before they're going to make any deals with that. So, uh, but yes, I mean, um, you know, the Hawks have have basically given up on, and you know, they're, they're, they're moving forward and you can't if you do if you wait and wait and wait. I mean, I mean, I think we talk about um, a, a team even like the Minnesota Wild right now. I mean, they've made the playoffs for what last seven or eight years, but they're not really they really and haven't seemed to improve. I mean, you've got to improve. You just can't and to make the playoffs is one thing, but you got to try to win it all. And and yes, I mean, if you wait and wait and wait, if the Blues wait and wait and wait, yeah, they they can stay over five hundred, but are they going to be able to win it again? And I think we've all had that taste, all of us fans mm-hmm. have had that taste for victory, and we've had that taste for a Stanley Cup, 
and we want it to happen as soon as possible. Yes, it is. You're absolutely right, Randy, about the emotional attachment to, to O'Reilly, to, to, to Tarasenko. Uh, these are the guys that, that won the Cup for the Blues. I mean, David Perron was part of a Schwartz. But it is a business now, and you know what? You have to start moving on, and I think that's what we all have, have to do as fans. Now, we have to let Doug Armstrong do his job. Uh, he's been very, very successful at what he's done. He put together a team that won the Cup four years ago, and I think that uh, everybody has to be maybe a little bit patient. And, and I don't think we need to look, to wait for 10 years. Let's hope not. Uh, but I think that teams can really turn around really quickly now because of the free agents now that you can buy. Um, you know, you can build a lot quicker than you used to be able to do. And I think that Doug has been very successful, and I think we just have to let him um, work his magic once again. Hey, Bernie, Marco Scandella got his first time on the ice uh, the other night. What did you see from him? Uh, he was steady. He's fine. I mean, I, I think that was Kerry. That's something that I think the Blues missed all year long. I mean, it's the size. Uh, you have a size factor back there when you get a big defenseman. Uh, he's solid defensively. Uh, he's very physical as well. So, I mean, for, for the first game of the year when you're playing against a team like Carolina, I don't think he, he was anywhere out of place. I mean, he played, what, almost 17 minutes, and, and he was very steady. I mean, I, I think when, when you see a guy like him in his first game back, you really didn't notice him last night, and I think that's really a good sign. Bernie Federico, always good to have you with us. Thanks so much. Be careful out in the weather today, man. It's it's going to be brutal out there. But uh, we'll be seeing you on Bally the next time the Blues are in action. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. You know, spring is around the corner. That's the good news. We're getting out for golf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see you, Bernie. Take care. See you, guys. That's see the you. Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. Love him. And by the way... Bernie, a uh, pretty accomplished golfer. He's really good. Is he? Yeah. yeah get out there one day. I'm, I'm shocked that a man that's that that, yeah. that good at, at shooting a puck <laughs> has figured out how to transfer it to a golf club. Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, we don't have a fighter for the fight yet. We do have a fight coming up, but we need a fighter. So just text in to the text line, 314-399-9646. Just text in the word fight. Maybe Matthew will make you his random choice to fight against me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Dennis. Dennis, how you doing? I'm doing good. You've been you've been preparing for this moment for a while, I see. I've been trying to get to Randy. Uh, let's see how I do. Uh, All right. might, uh, might have a ch- shot at beating him. All right, here we go. When the ABA and NBA merged, four ABA teams joined the league. The Nuggets, Pacers, and Nets. Which other team? Was it the and which other team? Was it the Clippers, the Supersonics, or the Spurs? It was the Spurs. All right, today is the anniversary of the miracle on ice. Who scored the game winning fourth goal in the U.S.'s win over the Soviets? Was that Dave Silk, Mike Ruzioni, or Mark Johnson? Mike Ruzioni. No, Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. All right. Which 2002 Cardinal is the last player in MLB history to lead the league in RBIs in back-to-back season? Is it Paul Goldschmidt, Albert Pujols, or, or Nolan Arenado? 
2002 Cardinals? Yep, which 2002 Cardinals is the last no, player? Which 2022 2022. What did I say? Oh, you said 2000. Say. Well, 2002. My apologies. 20, 2022. Okay. Uh, Goldie. All right. And in the last 29 years of PGA Tour play, there is only one golfer not named Tiger Woods to tally six or more wins in a season. Is it Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, or Vijay Singh? Oh, man. Um, it, this, this is my expertise, too. Um, uh, let's, go with, uh, let's go with Jordan Spieth. All right, we'll double-check the score, and we'll bring in Randy Character. Dennis, how you feel? Uh, all right. Nah, I, I, think I, got, I think I got two. Well, I watch your text line, and, and you say all the time, you can beat Randy, you, you're ready for the fight, and yeah. one morning you got all four right, you feel like you got two today? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if Megamind can, can beat what you believe to be two answers correct. Megamind, right. Randy Carricker, sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. Say hello to Dennis. Dennis, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Randy. Good. Are you familiar with Dennis the Menace? <laughs> Not at all. Not okay. at all. I've never been called that in my life. So You're the first. Dennis the Menace was a, a cartoon character when yeah. I was a kid. And I have a friend who had a crush on Dennis the Menace. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dennis, I, I, welcome, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. When the, M- when the ABA and NBA merged, four ABA teams joined the league. They did. The Nuggets, the Pacers, the Nets, and which other team? Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, and the Iceman, George Gervin. Nuggets, Nets, Pacers. Uh, Nuggets, Nets, Pacers. Hold on. Did, did I just give me, the, give me those three again? Did I say it? Nuggets. Nuggets, Pacers, Nets, Nets, and which other Spurs. team? Spurs. Yeah. The Iceman, George Gervin. Randy, today's the anniversary of the miracle on ice. Do you believe in miracles? I do believe in miracles. Yeah, you no, you just say yes. Oh, yes. Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> yes. you believe in miracles. Yes. yes. Okay, good. Sorry. Thank you. I knew it, but I, in my head I was like, I'm not, you know, right. my bad. Who scored the game-winning fourth goal in the U.S.'s win over the Soviets? That would have been the captain, Mike Ruzioni. I play for the United States of America. Hey. All right, Randy, which 2022 Cardinal is the last player in Major League Baseball history to lead the league in RBIs in back-to-back seasons. The last member of the Cardinals. He, he was a member of last year's Cardinals. Yes. Which tw- 2022 Cardinal is the last player in Major League Baseball history to lead the league in RBIs in back-to-back seasons? I think with Colorado, Nolan Arenado pulled off that feat, if I'm not mistaken. And Randy, in the last 29 years of PGA Tour play, there was only one golfer not named Tiger Woods to tally six or more wins in a season. Who is it? 29 years. So we're going back to, uh, let's figure this out. Uh, So we're 2,030 years. So... It's 2023, correct? Mm. 13, you want me to just get, I, 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 I have no problem giving you the year that it stops. It, it, the, the mark I'm, I'm going off of is from 95 to now. 95 So to essentially now. 30, 29 Six years. wins in a season. And this is Sands Tiger who did Sands it. Sands Tiger, only one other person. Okay. So in the 90s, you had David Duvall, 
before Tiger grabbed number one. He had a great year. He got it to number one in the world. I don't believe Rory has pulled off that feat. Um, I don't think any of the recent guys. Rom has three already, but hasn't done it. We talked about Johnny Miller, but he was 1975. I'll do, the, I'll do the lifeline and see if Duvall is on there. Is it Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, or Vijay Singh? I think I'm going to go with Vijay. Vijay had a monster year when Tiger was out with an injury one time. With the knee injury. It was before... Everything collapsed. The, the, yeah, well, but before the, the the stars that he started dating. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so, waitresses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Never Perkins mind. waitresses. In a uh, church parking lot, nonetheless. All right. So VJ that that was, must have been a fun date. I'll go with VJ. Final answer? All right. Randy's got a little bit back on a roll here. Did Dennis, who was so excited to play today, was he able to swoop in here and ruffle Randy's feathers midweek? <laughs> <laughs> I just flapped my wings, guys. We need the cameras. Or does Randy keep rolling on? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Dennis, I'm sorry you heard Mr. Buck, and that means that he got the jack. He beat you 4-1 to one today. Four My to advice one. for you, Dennis, stick with your gut feeling. You could have got number two right, yeah. but, you, but you changed yeah. your mind. And let's, let's go through those answers. When the ABA and NBA merged, it was the Nuggets, the Pacers, the Nets, and the Spurs who got added in. Randy, other than the, the uh, Spirits, do you know the, team, the other team that didn't get accepted? Was it the Kentucky Colonels? It was, in fact, the Kentucky Colonels. You both got that one right. Today is the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. Mike Aruzio. Tony scored that fourth goal to win the US, to win over the Soviets. Yeah, Mark right. Johnson, yeah, who Dennis right. answered, he scored the uh, I believe the first and the third goal Former blue. in that game. There you go. Uh, which 2022 Cardinal is the last player in MLB history to lead the league in RBI back-to-back seasons? It was in fact Nolan Arenado, 15 and 16 for the Rockies. And in the last 29 years of PGA Tour play, the only golfer not named Tiger Woods to tally six or more wins in a season is in fact VJ Singh in a magical 2004. He tally lead nine wins which is actually more than Ti- which is actually something Tiger's only done one time in his career by the way Randy the reason why I went back to 1995 in 1994 Nick Price had oh. six wins uh Jordan Spieth by the way uh, he only has uh he has a seat he has a year with five as just Jason Day and Justin Thomas right. so a 4-1 win for Randy in the fight again Dennis thank you so much for joining the fight and the show today thank you all right Dennis thank you very much we have an array of radio stations down the hall. We have U-Man and Casey right next door. AD and U-Man do a great show. And then right after that, the Courtney show. And they've got mostly good people. Chris Convy isn't around right now, but they've <laughs> they got mostly good people. And then we got W-I-L, and uh, so, so we've got Remy and Casey over there. And then we've got the Riz show, and then we've got uh, Tim McKernan with uh, the, the morning after. I don't know that there's a nicer person in our building, and maybe not in the world, than King Scott from the Riz Show. He is very nice. What a nice he guy a he is, name huh? too. I, yeah. I mean, you got a King Scott, but he's yeah. a very nice. He's very cool. He's a great guy. He, he, he just he he runs down the hall and he waves every yeah. single day <laughs> when he's coming down the hall. He's just he's a great human being. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That was the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, 
Okay, we'll tell you about the blues and the, and the hurricanes, but we'll also tell you about a crazy <laughs> trade rumor. It's 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 crazy. It's wacky, I tell you. And it's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary and Randy, I'm 101 ESPN. Let's start with this. The Blues lost last night. 4-1. Did they? So, hmm. back in the day, when the St. Louis Rams first came here, they started off their first year, they were 7-9, nine, and nine, then 6-10, and 10, then 5-11, and 11, and then 4-12. and 12. And I would go on the road to cover the Rams, and Danny Mac would be back in the studio with the Mighty Mocs, and pretty much every time they played a road game, Danny would bring me on and say, Randy, wasn't pretty today. That's what we're going to have for the Blues for the rest of the season. It is not going to be pretty. Yeah, I, I'm okay with... Randy, there's a way you can lose games and still give great effort. Like If you're a younger team and, and guys are still learning how to be professional hockey players, there's a way you can go about this where it still looks it still looks competitive and it still looks good. If you are, are turning the puck over in your own zone, if you are not hustling back, if you are not committed to, to playing a whole 200-foot game, that's going to be very hard for, for fans mm-hmm. to watch, for us to watch, to, to be able to talk about each and every day. It's just the style of play. It's a commitment to doing the, the minor details that will allow you to be successful. And if they decide to do that, which in, in, in all honesty, when you have a bunch of young guys, that is what you should be doing. You're probably not going to win when you mm-hmm. have guys that are getting paid $8 million and they're much better than you. And you, you just aren't prepared yet because you haven't had enough success or enough time in the league. But what you can control is your effort and your energy. And that's all you can ask for at this moment. If they do that and still lose games, you can feel better about it. Be looking forward into but the next few years. you can't live with, with less than stellar effort. No. So let's talk about what's happened over the last few days. On Saturday, the Blues trade Ryan O'Reilly on Friday. On Saturday, Doug Armstrong has a press conference and says, what I'd like to do is retrench with players that are 24 to 26 years old. Jeremy Rutherford puts a piece up at The Athletic. What are the Blues going to do with the picks that they have? Is there a chance that they could try to retrench by trading those picks for a player? Well, there's a player that's going to be a free agent, Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. Had 35 goals last year, has 31 this year. He's 26 years old. He's 6'1 and 220. Fits the mold of what Craig Berube would like to coach. Uh and by the way, Meyer is a a native of Switzerland. He's a really good player. He, this is his third 30-goal season in the NHL. He's been around since 2017-2018 on a full-time basis. Actually, he's been around since 17. So he's played for San Jose and been a really good player. Now he's a free agent. Well, Frank Saravelli, hockey insider, reported yesterday that perhaps the Blues will make a move with those draft choices to acquire Timo Meyer. A new team has entered the chat on Timo Meyer, and I'm told that it is the St. Louis Blues. That may be a surprise to some, but it shouldn't be. I'm told that the Blues inquired with the San Jose Sharks earlier this week about Timo Meyer after executing the trades for Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. 
my guess is that the Blues are attempting to leverage a couple of those picks, maybe still even keep their own first-round pick, and bring someone like Timo Meyer into the fold who can then play with Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas and Braden Shannon, be part of that Blues core moving forward with a long-term extension. But Frank, Frank, <laughs> Frank! <laughs> the Blues only have about $4 million left in cap space for next year, even with the trades of Tarasenko and O'Reilly because of the contracts that they've given to Jaden, uh, not Jaden, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. But he's got an idea. He says, how about trading Colton Pareko and his $6.5 million contract to the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, and I think the point is the Blues are trying to create some salary cap flexibility there. And so I'm told that one of the teams that has inquired with the Blues in recent days about Colton Pareko is the Ottawa Senators. Probably not a shock there. Also considering that the Sens have been on the prowl for a difference maker on defense, a right shot defenseman in Colton Pareko, who's in the first year of that eight-year deal at six and a half million bucks. He's got the size at six point at six foot six. Uh, I think his game has trended the wrong way in the last couple years in terms of uh, his productivity and his impact on the ice for the Blues. And if they're looking to to make a dent uh, on their blue line and create some of that cap flexibility, Pareko uh, has some value. I'm told that what the Blues are looking for in return for Pareko is a younger defenseman under team control at a more reasonable salary cap number. I like it all. Okay, so Kerry, did you ever watch the show Pee Wee's Playhouse on Saturdays when you were younger? <laughs> yeah, yes. Do you remember <laughs> Connect the Dots? La 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 la. Connect so. the Dots. La 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 la. I'm connecting the dots here. Okay. Okay, you dump the Pareko salary, get a mm-hmm. young defenseman back. You give up a couple of picks for Timo Meyer, who's a big fella. He's probably going to be a $10 million a year player, but he fits that mold of what you're looking mm-hmm. for. He's he's basically a 26-year-old, Vladimir Tarasenko. Okay. I've got the cap room because I just traded Colton Pareko, and I've got the, the cap room for next year. I like what Frank Cervelli is selling me. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm buying it. You, you're buying that. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think if... If teams are contacting, if Ottawa Senators are contacting you about Colton Pareko, you see where the contract is, you see how much money is going to be allotted to him for the next few years. You've been talking about, so here, initially what came to mind when they were talking about Timo Meyer and and maybe trading him and hopefully re-signing him, obviously, for, for years to come. They've been talking about trading away Ivan Barbashev. You got three first-round picks. So would you, would, would the San Jose Sharks be comfortable with Ivan Barbashev and Two first-round picks for Timo Meyer. Would that get the job done? I don't. I think. Would you, need, need, would you need? Or would you I, not I even need to I, trade a boy a player? I don't think you need to trade Barbashev. He's a free agent. They don't need him. Okay. Right. So it, well, I was it. trying to create more cap room until they talk. Until I heard about the Pareko deal, which yeah. would be. But, and Meyer is not off the charts well. expensive this year, so that right. contract could kick in next year. So I think it all works out really well. And it puts the Blues in a better position to you get a you get a, a a younger player back from from Ottawa and the defenseman that costs less money mm-hmm. that can you know we still are probably searching for what you said a number one defenseman but we're still we're, we're searching for that right mm-hmm. now correct so correct, so right. getting finding that whether it be in the draft or via free agency next season I think you are positioning positioning yourself to be a better team right now going into the future than, than where they stand if they stand pat. Now, Kerry, I don't want to be mean here. Okay? so I'm, I'm, You're not a mean guy, Randy. I'm, I, I try not to be. Yeah. A couple of years ago, 2019, 
T.J. Warren was traded to the Indiana Pacers. And uh, Amin Elisan from ESPN reported that what he heard was on draft night, he said, when Indiana got the call from Phoenix, and Phoenix said, hey, we'll give you T.J. Warren in the 32nd pick, the Pacers thought it was a joke. They didn't think it was a serious offer. He said, then they realized it was, and Indiana said, okay, it has to get done now because we're not going to wait for you to figure out the mistake you're making here. If you're the Blues and you get that call on Colton Pareko. You say we, we got to do it now. Yes. We got to do it now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we, you don't tell them they're making. But you, you just say through twenty thirty. That's a long time. Yeah. And and if he hasn't been playing particularly well or to the level that they thought he would be, that's a, he's twenty nine right now. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at a guy that thirty six, thirty seven by the time the contract ends. That's a long time. To, and a lot of money for a guy that if he's not performing at the level you need him to be performing at right now, you're gonna be you're gonna be extremely frustrated. You know, six seven years from now, looking mm-hmm. at that contract and how much money it ate up. If I'm the Blues and Ottawa offers a second round pick, I don't need a young defenseman. If Ottawa if Ottawa offers a pick, I'm yeah. making a deal. In a, and I yeah. like Colton Pareko a lot. Yeah. I've been a defender of his. But with the contract that you just stated and with the production and what we see and the lack of dramatic improvement, he's never going to win a Norris Trophy, at least here in St. Louis. I'm making it now. Here's the other thing for him, personally. If you are Colton Pareko and your entire career, you've been compared to Pronger your entire career. The people want Chris Pronger out of you, but you are not Chris Pronger. You go to Ottawa, who is the the, the best defenseman that they've had? Is, is he a 6'6", 250-pound defenseman? No. So you won't have that comparison hovering over you True. where you are every single day being looked at as you need to be him. Yep. This is who you should be. It's unfair for him that this has been done to him by by us, by the media, by everyone because of his stature, his size. That's not who he is. So extreme, allowing him to move to a different place, not have that that lingering and that thought process. He can just play hockey and be the the best Colton Pareko that he can be, and not be looked at as the next Chris Pronger. By the way, the the guy in Ottawa was a multi year All Star and Norris Trophy winner. It was Eric Carlson. And when he was in Ottawa, let's see, his he had point totals of 62, 71, 82, 66, 74 points. That's what they would be looking for as a fan base, Yeah, is a guy that uh, is an all-star, a Norris, won a couple of Norris trophies, Carlson did, as a member of the Senators. That's what they'd be looking for. And oh, by the way, uh, Eric Carlson, not near the size of Colton Pareko, but from a skill standpoint, that's what they would be looking for. But yes, if, if you're the Blues and those dots that Frank Saravelli provided to us, we can connect those and make a circle. If you can essentially trade... Colton Pareko and And a couple of picks. Yeah, Colton Pareko and walking out the door, O'Reilly and Tarasenko for Timo Meyer, you do it. Yeah. And and you'll be in a much better place. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up today's big thing. What should we expect from St. Louis City SC in their first year, which gets underway on Saturday night? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing.
You know, expectations, I know expectations are automatically high in St. Louis because it's the soccer capital in the United States of America. But we also have to be realistic. Uh, nice European saying, Rome was not built within one day. It takes some time. So I believe I believe uh, it's the same here. We want to have a very consistently good soccer team here in St. Louis over many years to come. That is the sporting director of St. Louis City SC, Lutz Fahnenstiel, tempering expectations early on for this expansion franchise. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, it's 9.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. CD, let's take a quick look at the fixture, shall we? Because do I get no credit? For saying, take a look nice. at the fixture. No, that was take a look at the fixture was nice. Thank take you. Okay. Was nice. Thank you. Good. Appreciate that it. Was good. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Saturday night, the uh, <laughs> initial match on you the pitch so, in Austin. See, you know it's so much better than me, Randy. I, I, when I hear it, I just, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, Randy's just you know talking about soccer. But you, you say pitch, and I'm like, oh my god, he says pitch right. I say, I still say field. Yeah, it's a pitch. I'm yeah. a fool. Yeah. Well, you. All I know is you better be have you better have your kit on on Saturday night. <laughs> well, thanks to St. Louis City, I have a kit. When when our, when our side visits Austin, uh, and that game is at seven thirty, and it's on Apple TV, and it's free, the inaugural game, and then you move into March, and you've got a home match. Our side will host Charlotte, and then Portland will. Uh, be the trip that uh, St. Louis City SC makes, and then they'll round out March with a home game, a home match against San Jose. That's the uh, Earthquakes. And then Real Salt Lake will host St. Louis City SC. I'm sorry, no. That game, uh, one thing about the the fixture here. The home team is listed first. So yeah, it'll be uh, Real Salt Lake hosting St. Louis on March 20. Here's the thing, Kerry Davis. Do tell. It is an expansion team. It is. At MLS.com, this is a, their league's official website. The prediction is that St. Louis City SC will rank 29th out of 29 teams. Yeah. Now, Lutz did a good, good job of tempering expectations. Here's what they're writing over at MLS.com. The new kids are all set to do their best Red Bulls impression under manager Bradley Carnell. Red Bulls play in New York. Bradley Carnell was a coach on Red Bulls, as a matter of fact. We'll just have to wait and see how that goes under a first-year manager with a first-year team. They go on to write, I'll reiterate, most of the guys they've signed in the front six are massive question marks, but that really does make this a fun exercise in roster building and just in overall soccer theory, because if you give talented players a clear blueprint to work from, and St. Louis will do exactly that, then they should be able to execute whether they're proven or not, right? You you would you would think, but being an expansion team, Randy, is going to take some time. You, each one of these riders have them predict, predicted to be thirteenth or fourteenth in the West, which is last or second to last in their division. It's not, and, and Lutz, I think, did a good job of of as you said, tempering expectations. We all want to win, but understanding that when it's your first year, you got a lot of new guys, all new guys, everybody working together for the first time. You can have you can you can have fun watching it, but don't get too. I guess pressed about the 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 results right now because eventually the results will come and and maybe they're doing a little bit of uh what do they call under un, over under deliver over promising what is it yeah it's under promising over delivering yeah there, there you go I, I couldn't get it right just trying to get people to understand that regardless of if they're winning or losing right now it's going to be a fun environment. St. Louis City is going to be, you know, it's going to be a fun experience for all of St. Louis to get there, watch games, you know, watch it on TV, on Apple TV. 
I'm excited about it because there is so much energy that is being brought by the by the St. Louis City to the to the city right now. I agree. The atmosphere around the matches at City Park on the pitch, the St. Luligans, it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be something that as if you're a non-soccer fan or if you just have been familiarized with it, it's something unlike anything else you've ever seen. So I agree with you, Kerry. This will not be a season to gaze at the table because we'll probably be at the bottom of the table. But we aren't going to get relegated. So you you just play your your, your first season. And, and you build those rivalries. You build the rivalries with, with Kansas City and uh, darn them. I'm already, I'm already I'm already negative about Kansas City, Randy. It's well, a, it's I'm a already ready for the rivalry. I'm already if, ready. If you win two matches, and those are the only two, you're you're good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Here's no? here's why we got a texter earlier saying he, he can't wait to watch um a, you know a team playing games in, in city. And here's the thing. You know, we talked about the Battle Hawks, and obviously the Cardinals. Yep, we, it's a side not, playing matches. They're, they're by not going to win a lot playing <laughs> matches. Excuse me. Here's why it's going to be such a a, a great thing, an elixir, a balm, if you will, for St. Louis fans. Okay. When they refer to they're going to play the Red Bull style, and they're going to play, and they they have a clear blueprint. You're not going to see anybody slacking off, you know, on on Saki's version, soccer's version of a four check. With the St. Louis City squad, where you know all the annoyances that might come with watching a certain team's games so, right now, so, you're so, not going to see that in any way, shape, or form with City. This is going to be the most aggressive version of soccer I think most people have seen, you know, up close and personal. You know, in their in their opinion of what soccer is going to be. City's going to confound it. It's not going to be a lot of wins, but it's going to be a fun brand, and I think they've stuck from that for now two straight years, and they've never broken from that philosophy, and that's a good sign for me. So you're saying there's going to be effort, effort every, and energy. Every play. Every play. Even on the first goal. Every even time they even if they the, give up a goal. Every time they lose they're, the they're ball. Gonna, they're going to have they're gonna have, they're gonna have effort and a lot of energy and running around and really, as you said, Competing. I can't. I can't say exactly what it'd be, but I can. I can almost guarantee that if they put out a, if 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 Bradley and Lutz put out a bullet point list for a team on a whiteboard that says these are three things we have to do today, no one of those three bullet points is going to be win the ball back every time we lose it. Well, so as soon as you lose the ball, as soon as you lose possession, you're going to see people hustling to take it back and, and we get back on for. offense. It's going to be a beautiful thing to watch, considering some rough Blues play we've had to watch all fall and winter. Are you guys going to have a party on Saturday night? I'm actually going to be in the right state, wrong city on Saturday hmm. night. I'm going to be in Dallas, so I'm going to be watching it uh, okay. on, my on your phone, phone, on your Apple God phone. God bless you, Apple TV, uh, Apple TV Plus, I should say. But uh, I couldn't convince uh, I couldn't convince anybody to make the drive to Austin with me. Randy, I, I, I just had just had a thought pop into my head. The uh, the, the the city plays here their first home game. I, I I mean I don't know. Maybe the opening drive should be there. It's a Saturday night, though, but maybe... Ah, actually, you, I, you know what? I can't make it. Sorry. Doggone it. I'd like to. Randy. I know. I, I, I got a trip to make, big boy. All right. I understand. We'll, but we'll make a match. We, we will we, absolutely we make to, a match. We need. To, did I call it a game? You may have. Ah, my apologies. <laughs> First match here in well, St. Louis. We need to be there. Being the veteran... Soccer aficionado. Fo- football <laughs> you, you, observer indeed. that I am. You are. You are. 
I'm, I'm ready to attend to the pitch. I can give you the benefit of the doubt, Kerry Davis. I, I can't give him the benefit I, of the doubt. I played a different I type of football. Yeah, right. I can't, I can't give Mr. Mr. Football the benefit nah, of the he, doubt. No, he doesn't him. get any benefits of doubts over there. <laughs> He's not even paying attention to us. He's not. <laughs> why do I give the benefit of the doubt? I mean, come on. What, what, I mean, what are you, why are you giving me the benefit of the doubt here? What did I do? What, you did nothing. There's no need. We just like you're, giving you're you crap. Good. I mean, come on. I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about football. That's today's big Jeez. thing on 101 ESPN 730 on Saturday night, Apple TV. St. Louis City SC, their inaugural match at Austin. Next up, Jason Tatum is solidly in the top five of a tight MVP race, but... Is he right there at the top of the league? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We told you early in the week about the fact that St. Louis's own, Chaminade's own, Jason Tatum, was the MVP of the NBA All-Star Game. Scored an All-Star Game record 55 points several years ago, Kerry, actually before the pandemic. We had Kevin Harlan on the show. He's the number one voice of the NBA on TNT. And I asked him about the quality of Jason Tatum's game. And, and even two years ago, Kevin Harlan said that Jason Tatum was a top five all-around player in the league because of his commitment to defense. His offense was coming along, and he did do, did and does everything. With where he is now, he's averaging 30.6 points a game, which is sixth in the league. And with his defensive prowess, can you make an argument that he's top three in the league? I, I think I can. Yeah, I think you got. I, I would say Joker would be... You know, there, Giannis, Giannis, and and you could probably make a case for Jason being number three. I I mean, they are clear and 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 far and away the the top favorites to win the the MVP again this year. Joker is doing an outstanding job, but Jason Tatum has done a fantastic job. They went through a lot of turmoil, you know, this offseason. They they lost their coach. They come they're coming off of a, a a tough defeat in the NBA Finals, and then lose your head coach, and then to come into the season and still be playing at this level. That they are J- Jalen Brown has been out for a few weeks, for a few days with the with the face injury. It's fun to watch him because you understand that his amount of talent is 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 transcending. He's there's a there are levels in sports. You go from being you know a pro to being a star to becoming a superstar. And and Jason, I believe, has has reached that superstar level. At, I, the All Star Game MVP didn't do that for me. It was really. Just his ability to show up in big moments, make it to the NBA Finals, and I think they're on a pace, on a track to do that again this year. One of the things, though, about getting an All-Star Game MVP is that it means the rest of the league respects you. Yeah. That they're feeding you, and the, the guys around the league have a great deal of respect, and that was the main thing I took out of him getting it. He's also, uh, and you mentioned Jokic, he's one of the most efficient, well, Jokic has historically been uh, the most efficient player in the league. But Tatum is right there, and w- when you look at what he's able to do from a plus-minus perspective, the Celtics essentially are really, really good when he's on the floor yep. and not so great when he's not. Yep. And that to, that, to me, and, and the same thing with Jokic, same thing with Embiid, 
when your team is good with you and not mm-hmm. good without you, that tells me that there's a tremendous amount of value there. Yeah, you are you are one of the the best players in the league, and they they that offense runs through him. There was a time uh, a year or two ago where they were trying to figure out is it Jalen Brown's team, is it Jason Tatum's team, and I think everyone in that locker room, everyone in Boston, and everyone around the country knows at this point is Jason's team. He's he's the leader, he's the alpha male of that team, and and does a great job of of. Playing the game the right way, knocking down big shots, not afraid of the moment uh, when it's presented to them, and and it's fun to watch them play, watch that team play, um, and and like I said, the 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 amount of turmoil that they went through to still be leading the East uh, at forty two and seventeen, they have done an outstanding job, and it's fun to see how how he has progressed in his in his maturation throughout his entire career. When. We watched Jason Tatum at Chaminade, and he came in as you know a hundred and seventy pound freshman, and he leaves as a two hundred and ten, two hundred and fifteen pound man. He's bigger than that now, but one of the things that he could always do was get to the rim. Yep, he didn't always play great defense, and that to me is the the great separator now mm-hmm. for Tatum is. If they play Phoenix in the finals, he's the guy that's got Devin Booker. He'll, yeah. he'll be the guy that has Durant. When they yeah. played Jersey, he was the guy that was on Durant. He's, for a non-setter, I think he's the best lockdown defender in the league. So here, here's the thing about defense. Guys generally don't play defense just because they don't want to. It's an effort. There's a lot of effort associated with playing defense. If you're a good athlete, meaning you can dribble, you can move, you can get to the bucket with ease, you can generally be very good on defense because all you have to do is move your feet and stay mm-hmm. in front of the man and get a hand up when he's taking a shot. If, you not, if you're not playing defense well, it's because you're not choosing to. And now I think he has made a commitment on the defensive end. Oftentimes scorers take a little time off on the defensive end because they don't, wanna, they don't want it to impact them on the offensive end. But choosing to get in shape into the best shape you can be in and play a, an entire 48 minutes both ends of the, of the court – it allows you to be the best player you can be. Jokic will probably win another MVP, by the way. He, he probably will. But to Randy's points defensively, it, it's one thing if you can, you know, be a, a solid defensive player in your team scheme, and you and you're not and you're not a sieve. But being a guy who can one on one take LeBron James on for sixty yeah. percent yep. of a game, that's not just effort. That is, do you no. have the foot speed? Do you have the body? Do you have the? Do you have that dog in you? And by year two, Jason Tatum showed us he had that dog in him defensively, and that is. I mean, we never saw that at Duke. And so for him to bring that out that early in his career and continue to build on it, that's been, like Randy said, I think that's been the biggest change. It's not just that he's a good team defender. It's that it, one-on-one he can stick with the best player in the league. That's effort. That's want to, though. That's a guy that, as you said, he has the foot speed. He has the quickness. Some guys don't. They don't want to. Not they. Not that they can't. They don't want to. Steph Curry is a prime example of that. He has gotten so much better defensively because he Wants to. He does. He didn't want to before. He he's gotten he's gotten much better in passing lanes and being an on ball defender than he ever was in his career. Now I'm I am willing to bet good money that Steph would say this is why I don't play defense because I've gotten hurt twice this year playing defense. But that comes with it, and and it's effort that is associated with playing the defensive end of the of the basketball court. If guys are quick enough, fast enough, strong enough. All you have to do is be willing to do it, move your feet, and get the job done. And some people are and some people aren't. Jason has made that commitment, which obviously transcends your game to being you know, one of the top ten players to becoming an MVP candidate. Touchy subject, so I have to be aware of this, and I have to tread in lightly, because you're a Warriors guy. 
But, and it's a Boston team. But that being said, could we adopt Jason's Celtics as our Eastern Conference team? How about, there you go. As long as they're not playing Golden State. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. the finals. We'll, we'll be a Golden State show in the there finals, okay? Yeah. But our Eastern Conference team, because of Jason Tatum, will be the Boston Celtics. I like it. As much as we have disdain for the mean people of Boston. Yeah, they are. They are an interesting group of fellas yeah. and ladies. You're not yeah. going to join me in rooting for a crocky too? <laughs> a crocky squad? I mean, we're not rooting I, for... No. I, no, thank you. I, I, I w- thanks, but no thanks, Rob. I, I, no, I understand yeah. completely. I, I hate myself every time I do you're, it. Uh, I hate myself every time I do yeah, it. Your moral flexibility is troubling, <laughs> yet admirable. I'm thinking maybe like a finals loss in Game 7 to the Celtics. I'd like that. Jokic mm. still gets his, you know, you're, gets his flowers, but... No. No. Okay. So let's just put it this way: you like to kick people out of houses they've lived in for fifty years. You you appreciate that. You you like snidely whiplash. You like the evil and, of all and, and, evil. And big man bounce passes. It's yeah. those two things. It's why it's the, you combine so, those two things, baby. Yep. Mm. Nuggets fan. Mm. Uh, mm. Matthew Rocchio tuned in with glee yesterday to Vladimir Putin's speech. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> with glee. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> really? I wasn't expecting that at all. Okay. I, note to self: Do not get on Randy's bad side. He uh, no, dials just, it up. It's just, it's it's just one guy. It's uh, just one guy. Uh, I haven't been accused of being a Russia lover for a long time, Randy. Thanks for that. Oh uh, well, hey, it, where's Jokic from? Close uh, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire country, oh, Randy, just God. pissed off. <laughs> it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Yeah, you can text in if you're if you love Vladimir Putin. You can text in too, three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. And we're laughing. Okay, we're laughing. Okay, it's we're, it's it's a show. We're having fun. Uh, next up, how should the Blues use this wealth of assets that they've acquired over the last couple of weeks? It's coming your way on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on one hundred one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And one of the things, Carrie, that Doug Armstrong mentioned last week, and I think we need to extend this to the draft choices that the Blues have acquired for Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. He said, what trading Tarasenko and O'Reilly doesn't do, it doesn't make Snuggerud more mature today. It doesn't make Bolduc more mature today. It doesn't make them any more ready to come in. It doesn't take Jake Neighbors to a first-line left winger today that's expected to score 30 goals. They're going to mature at their own rate, and it's my job to, to not ruin their careers by putting them in positions to fail. If you utilize, if you're the Blues, those first-round draft choices that you have procured, you're going to be in the same boat. You're going to be multiple years away from those guys playing for and then making an impact on your team. And I think that's really an important point that we need to make is that if he is desirous, Doug Armstrong, of a quick turnaround, I don't think it's necessarily going to come from using the picks to draft players as much as it will to get other players mm-hmm. in here that are more of the age to make an impact. I think that I think you hit the nail on the head, Randy. It's it's all about how quickly you want this thing to turn around or how how pressed are you for it to turn around quicker than 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 not. 
if you are going to continue to use those draft picks to draft younger players, then you're you're going to be a young hockey team. And you're, you, you're seeing right now what this team is without a lot of older guys on it, without a lot of veteran leadership. We were talking about it yesterday. The, the roster and the lineups look completely different than it did at the start of the season. So if you choose to go that route, just know you're probably in a – three- to five-year range of, of waiting for this team to turn around and be good be good enough to compete for, for playoffs and Stanley Cups. If you choose to use those draft picks to go out and get a, a team O'Meyer or, or move different pieces, different people in different directions, maybe that turnaround happens next year. Maybe it happens in two years as opposed to three to five. I personally am not a, a fan of – you got a lot of draft capital right now. I think using that to to go get a veteran, a, a guy that is in that 26 to 28 range that he's been talking about, I think that would be the best way to go about it. And I do think the apples to amp, apples comp from a negative perspective for Blues fans is Chicago because they made the playoffs for nine consecutive years. And for seven of those, they were great. They won three Stanley Cups. Last Stanley Cup championship for Chicago was in 2014-2015. They signed mm-hmm. Taves, Kane, Seabrook, Keith. Uh, Corey Crawford to the monster contracts, almost all of them with no move contract provisions. And then they lose in the first round in 2016. They lose in the first round in 2017. They've only made the playoffs once since then. So in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it'll be eight full seasons. The Hawks have not won a playoff series, and they were backed into a corner by those no-move contracts. So the fact that Armstrong was willing to part with these guys who we are emotionally tied to, I think gives the Blues a better chance to turn things around more quickly than Chicago. And Chicago, by the way, they aren't going to get anything for Taves. He's hurt, he's Mm -hmm. ill, and his contract is up, so he is not going to be traded at the deadline. And Patrick Kane has a complete no move. He wanted to go to New York. He wanted that spot that Vladimir Tarasenko occupies right now. So it'll be interesting to see if Chicago can find a place that's amenable to Patrick Kane. Would you say that the the Blues kind of went on the path that the that the Blackhawks did in terms of signing all of those guys to those big contracts, but maybe realizing that that may have not been the best way to go about it because it's a lot of money on the books for a lot mm-hmm. of guys at this moment right now that depending on how you're looking at it from the outside, from us looking on the outside looking in, may not be playing or performing to the level of, of money that they're making at this moment. Maybe if they were making $3 million less, you might say, oh, that's okay, but but – $3 million more and, and being at the level that they're at, you may look at it and think that potentially those are, are not great contracts at this moment. I think knowing what we know now, the two that you'd look at, and the thing is, we can look at them and say they were mistakes, but on the days that they signed, Krug and Pareko, I thought that the, the Blues had done a good job. And those are the two right now, that $13 million in cap space every year that are hurting you. Yeah, I mean, it, that, I think so, because when you're looking at, at Krug, he's 31 right now. You, he's in contract for the next five years, four years. Yep. He's going to be six when he becomes a free agent. That's a lot of money at $6 million, seven around $7 million a year over those next four or five years where you're saying maybe that's too much money for a guy that's 31. Same thing with Pareko. He's 29, and he's going to go till 2030, you said, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a lot of money as well if they aren't performing at the level that you need them to perform at. I don't necessarily think that they have stunk it up, as as I think a lot of people have thought. I think a lot of the, the issues that they have is coming from an entire team yep. as opposed to just blaming one 
one group of guys, just the defensemen as a whole, saying, well, you all aren't playing well enough. Yeah, you have your turnovers. Perego had a terrible turnover last night right in front of the net. Got to end up being a goal. But those things happen. I think as a whole, they aren't playing well enough. And that's really putting a, a, a micro, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a shining a bright light on those guys because they are getting paid so much and not playing that well. So the Blues have a couple of choices here. They can go long term and hope that their draft choices work out, utilize the draft choices and hope they work out. They can trade the draft choices for other draft capital, move up in the draft, or perhaps they could trade for younger players. So we'll know more, like Doug Armstrong said, we'll know by August 15th what this franchise's near-term future looks like. What would you prefer? I, I like, I'm old. I like winning now. Yeah. I do too. I think I don't. I don't. I don't know how many years I have left here. <laughs> you want to see championships? <laughs> Timo Meyer would would be a, a a play for you. Yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah. Thirty five goal scorer. That's a, a pretty rugged guy. Can uh, w- willing to go to the net. Yeah, I, I would like to have him on our team. Let's get to some mic drops and let's start with Damian, who joins us on one hundred and one ESPN. The rest of the season for Tyrone Thomas is really important from a prove-it standpoint. Um, Previously, they've been able to kind of fly under the radar, so to speak, because they had so much depth at the three different forward lines where it was a pick-your-poison situation, and teams had to really just eat it and watch one of the lines go off. Now, Kyrou and Thomas are the focus of the best guys from the other team the entire game, and they're going to have to show that they have a next level in order to pull that off. So I think the rest of this season is going to be a big moment for them. It's going to be uh, formative, and if they <clears throat> if they can't handle it, I don't know um, if they ever will be able to. Damien, I agree with you 100%. And mm-hmm. I believe that those two players, Thomas and Kairou, have the physical ability to go head-to-head with the opposition's best defensive setup against them. The problem is, do they have the emotional and mental wherewithal to be able to fight those battles and win those battles. And you're right. This will be a great test for them because that's what they're going to be going up against every night. Because of the lack of top six forwards that the Blues have, Kyrou and Thomas are going to see the best that the other team has to offer. Let's see if they can battle through. That's the thing. I, we, I just talked about it when we were talking about Jason Tatum going from you know being a professional to being a star to becoming a superstar. If you're getting paid superstar money, that becomes the expectation, and you're going to face against other superstar players when you're out on the ice. When you're on a, a second or third line, you might not have to face off against, uh, have to go against those guys who mm-hmm. are as good as the guys you're going against now. And you will know. You, you'll know sooner rather than later if they have that in them. I think they do because they've done it their entire careers, right? That's what allowed them to get to the NHL. That's what allowed them to get the money and the contracts that they've gotten. But you're going to have to show it night in and night out. And to to not have days where you you just don't show up as as well as you did in the days before. If you're Craig Berube, when Barbashev or uh, Buchnevich and Saad are back, who would you rather have paired with Kairou and Thomas, Buchnevich or Saad? I think I probably Saad. I think maybe Saad might have a, I, I a feel little like more Buchnevich, north south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Buchnevich would be good, but. It's, if I'm thinking just scoring, yes. But side, I feel like maybe a little bit more of that grit that you need for that line to, to be able to, to do the things that maybe they aren't, aren't doing as well. 
Let's get another mic drop from David here on 101 ESPN. First, I just want to thank Doug Armstrong, although I do generally like him for making blues hockey meaningless right now and boring to watch with no real hope for now or they could say what they want about the future. But Cairo and Thomas are not McDavid and Dreisaitl. And look at them. Without the O'Reillys and the Perrons of the world, they still don't get to the cup. That said, if somehow all this is meant to get rid of Pareko and, and somewhere in all this movement we get a really good top four defenseman, then maybe, maybe it was worth it, dot, 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 dot. Your choice was going to be to lose those guys right? for nothing, for nothing, yeah. and have them walk out the door, yeah. and probably miss the playoffs or get knocked yeah. out in the first round, or get something for them and miss the playoffs or get knocked out in the first round. I, I think they they did a good job of getting something for them, and as you said, maybe they're not done. Maybe they are still they still got a, about a week week or so left mm-hmm. uh, before before the trade deadline to decide if if there are a few more people or that they want to move out or move in. So it, it, it's. This team, I, I think, just watching the last couple of games, I think we are kind of all settled and understanding that it's it's not going to be a playoff team. It doesn't feel like it at this moment. It felt like it three games after the break. It doesn't really feel like it at this point after the O'Reilly trade. The energy and, and, and amount of effort doesn't feel like it's there. It should be, but it doesn't feel like it's there. So getting draft picks and getting guys to come in to, to, to help us out in the future, I think, would be a better choice. And by the way, I would like to thank Doug Armstrong for providing Blues fans from the time he took over in 2009 until the start of this season the fourth most wins of any team, any franchise in the National Hockey League. Yes, sir? How many Stanley Cups did they have before you got here? Uh, let me carry the two. That, that would be zero. Okay, okay. I was just checking. I, I wasn't sure. That's, I just hadn't been doing my, my hockey. That's why uh, we, this text we from math. 314 is crazy to me. <laughs> Say what you want about Mo, but the cards are always competitive. Armstrong has made this team no competitive and a joke. He also made them a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. And, uh, again, this is the first year. He pulled the ripcord immediately. Yeah, that Doug Armstrong in his tenure that the team has not been competitive. They missed the playoffs in 2018 on the last day of the season, lost to Colorado on a day that Vladimir Tarasenko injured his shoulder, then won the cup the next year. They were one of the best teams in the league between 2010 and 2022. So... Yeah, I, I think you're fighting an uphill battle if you're complaining about Doug Armstrong's career as the Blues poho. Yeah, I, I, you know, but everybody has their... Randy, we've learned one thing, if we haven't learned anything, that people are upset about something every single day. That's true. Somebody We is. have one more from Nick. It's simple as this. Simple as this. Tank for Bedard. How about suck hard for Bedard? That's uh, your choice. I you, mean, you say lose hard. Lose yeah. Harvard Bedard, that's fine, too. People yep. driving their kids to school, I don't know. I don't want to be that shit. It's 943. If their kids aren't in school, they, they I don't know the what... kids are skipping. They, they are. kids probably should be learning those words. You're going to be down the street, you're going to be savvy. Yep. you to be savvy and ready to roll. Yes, indeed. Hey, that is uh, our look at the blues and what they should do. Coming up, rock and roll as we head down the stretch towards... We got a little balloon party with T Mac and Oh no, no we're, 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 we're here. We're going. We are here. We're going on. We're 
we're going to overtime, baby. Yes, we are. We're and we're doing real overtime. Yeah. We're doing this so uh, each team gets one nah. possession. Then, we're doing real overtime. Yeah. At ten forty five, uh Brandon, Brandon Kyle is gonna try to pass rush against Kerry Davis live on Let's live do on it. the air. Okay, gonna, I like this. Gonna, I it's it. gonna go great for him. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Williams, Brandon Kylie is not. Yeah. yeah. The latest bracketology is next on one oh one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. And Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? Carrie, one of my jobs here, uh, and one of my jobs here, I feel like is is uh, I'm supposed to be here to say, don't do that, don't don't get fired. I'm, I'm the, I'm the no, 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 no. I'm the don't I wasn't telling you job. to read it on air. Okay. Oh, here, I was well, telling you I'll, just I'll, read I'll, it. I'll clean it up a little bit. No, no, like, no, 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 no. No, McKernan, I, I thought this. he was talking no. about on the air. I'm like, Carrie, no. are you trying to get me fired? No. Why would I tell you to read that on air, man? It says. Thank God you guys are working OT today. The show after you is terrible. I immediately changed the station at 10. I'd rather do something else. So... Number one... That was a very good edit. Thank you. I thought you were going to get more colorful with this shit, honestly. No, no need to. Okay. We love Tim and Jackson Burkett. They're great. I love their show. I listen every day. They know I text into it all the time. And so I respectfully disagree with you. We love that you love us, though. Thank you, uh, Vandalay Properties. Yes. Art Vandalay, probably, right at the top of the <laughs> organizational chart there. I like that they that they cooked in a nice little Seinfeld yeah. joke into their name. No. I yeah. appreciate so that. We do appreciate that, and we appreciate you liking us. So we will work OT today for you, Art. Yes. Art Vandalay. I'm an architect. <laughs> Uh, yesterday we, we, we played a, a piece of sound from LaShawn Shady McCoy, uh, who, who was who was talking a little shady about Eric Bieniemy and, and his doubt about his ability to be the offensive coordinator. Well, another Kansas City Chiefs running back uh, under Andy Reid decided to chime in on Twitter. Jamal Charles uh, quote tweeted tweet and said, I have to disagree with you, Shady. Bieniemy coached me for four years. I learned so many things from EB, and I still keep in contact with him. A great husband and father. He deserves to be a head coach. So we got two different running backs talking on, uh, on two different ways about one running back coach. I loved seeing Jamal Car- Charles come out here. And honestly, I do think, though, this is one of the first kind of public times we've seen somebody really step up for Eric Bieniemy, despite all the bad stuff we've heard. I'm not saying, I don't know what to believe, and I, and I wish the best for Eric Bieniemy, and I like what Jamal Charles had to say. I mean, you, you none of us know, right? We have no clue as to as to who um, really Eric Bieniemy is, because we we are not in that in that locker room, we're not in those meeting rooms. My question would be for, for Jamal was, was Eric Bieniemy the running back coach at the time he was there, or was he the OC? Because Jamal Charles last year was 2016. And so that would be my, my main question, because we're talking about two totally different things. You can be a, a, an outstanding running back coach and teach, a, teach your running backs a lot of things. Um, say that, right? He was just the running backs coach when that, that, Charles so, was there. So your, your perception of him is based on him coaching you as a running back coach. There's a different animal, a different mindset of being an offensive coordinator. 
He was the OC when when LaShawn McCoy was there. He was the OC when they won the Super Bowl and LaShawn got picked up late in the season. So that is a that is a difference because the the running back coach doesn't say anything in meetings. We talk in our own running back meeting, but when it comes to offensive meetings, he doesn't really say anything. And if you're the offensive coordinator, you are the one leading those meetings. So we're talking about two different we're talking about the same person in Airbnb, but at two different times in his career. I want to ask you because you have credibility that I don't have. But I just want to give you a couple of thoughts. Andy Reid was never a coordinator and never called plays, mm-hmm. right? And he's a great head coach. Joe Gibbs was never a coordinator and never called plays. Was one of the great head coaches in the league, in the league history. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. Am I wrong when I say that being a head coach requires different qualities than being a good coordinator. And you yes. can be a good head coach without having the qualities that a good coordinator has. Yes, you can be. You can be a great head coach and not have have ever called plays. Being a being a head coach is not about, you know, it's about managing all of the things that come with being the 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 top tier of your organization or of your um of your team. So for me, you can be a great head coach without being a great OC or DC. But you can't be a great OC without being able to call plays. So if you're uh, if you're unable to call the plays and 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 really manage that entire room and make sure guys are where they need to be, hold guys accountable to a certain standard of what you expect your offense or defense to be, you're not going to have that success. And that's my point. There's a chance that Eric Bieniemy could be a very good head coach. We don't know. Right. We don't right. know. But you don't have exactly. Yes. But we. The coordinator thing, we we don't know that yet either. Uh, to me, that's the the most maddening part of of whether or not people get hired. Oh, they called a great offense. Oh yeah, Nathaniel Hackett didn't call anything. Yeah, he was right, not right. the he was the OC in title, but he that doesn't make him a great head coach. You're 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 hiring someone based on what that offense did, and he didn't call the offensive plays. You had Doug Peterson who got hired who. Clearly, wasn't calling plays. Matt Nagy, he didn't have mm-hmm. success with Chicago, so it, it doesn't matter whether or not someone is calling the plays. It's about them as a person and how they manage the day-to-day operations of running a business, because that's essentially what you are. One other Andy Reid protege is John Harbaugh, who was a special teams coach in there Philadelphia, and obviously didn't call any offensive no, defensive no, plays. No. Doing pretty, well. pretty good at coach. Yeah, he's doing pretty well. And honestly, they've they've changed their especially offensive coordinator. They've had they've had some some shifts in their offensive and defense coordinators, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing when you have a guy like Harbaugh who's a good manager. Uh, let's talk about a coach who isn't a great manager, and this is obviously a horrible story going on right now around the University of Alabama's basketball team. If you guys didn't hear about this about a month ago. Nick Saban? Uh, one of Alabama's basketball team. No, oh, we're going to talk about a different the other coach. Number one. Team. We're going to talk about a different coach, and that's going to be the main question here. Um, Alabama basketball player Darius Miles is involved in a murder, and he's right now facing charges for a capital uh, capital um, murder charges. Um, for a shooting on January 15th. Not related to our Darius Miles from East St. Louis. Completely different Darius Miles. He's currently a, 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 he's formerly a basketball player for Alabama. He was a basketball player. Obviously, this is not that Darius Miles. What came out yesterday was news that their standout freshman forward, Brandon Miller, after a text from Darius Miles, brought Miller the gun, or, or Miller brought Miles the gun that he would eventually use later that day in the murder of 23-year-old Jamea Janae Harris. Miles texted him, and he brought him the gun. Here's the thing, and obviously that's a big thing, but here's what Mm -hmm. jumped out to me, was on Tuesday, 
they we, uh, they talked to uh, Coach Oates, uh, the head coach of the Alabama basketball team, and he said, quote, unquote, we knew about that. You can't control everything Ooh. anybody does outside of practice. No one knew that was going to happen. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong, spa, wrong spot at the wrong time. He then sought to clarify what he termed as, quote, unquote, unfortunate remarks. This is the problems in athletics is when a coach can't see through the the W and the L column to the real people around him in his program. This is an irresponsible you know, series of comments from Coach Oates. Okay, I'm not a lawyer, but I've watched a lot of law and order. <laughs> okay. Seems to me that if you give a gun, even if it's registered to you, mm-hmm. to somebody else and they use it in the commission of a crime, that you are an accessory. Uh, I, I think so. I, I think if you allow someone to do something with your gun that you gave, if they didn't steal it from you, mm-hmm. you actually gave it to them, I, I think you are you know, part of, part of the, uh, the crime that, that took place. As far as the head coach goes, it, the simple thing to, to, to say in that matter is, you know, our condolences to the victim and the victim's family. Uh, it's a terrible situation. It's still being processed, and, and hopefully... You know, whatever needs to take place gets taken care of because we are we are first and foremost concerned about the victim and the victim's family. But when you said we knew about that, you said to Alabama, fire me. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's and, not. And here's the thing. By all technicality, yes, the police have said because it was Miles's gun and Miller was giving it back to him, quote oh, okay. unquote, that technically they aren't looking to charge him. But I think even you coming out and saying Brandon's not in any, any trouble here. The the comment is we will we'll, like we'll push all of that questioning to the police department. Or, or, or it's or being handled inter- internally. Yeah, it's being handled yeah. internally. You yeah. can put, you can ask any of those questions to the local state police department or, or local county police department, whatever, what, what have you. It was the wrong answer at absolutely the wrong time. Yeah. unbelievable. So, but it was Miles' gun, and the, so it was just being returned to and that's, clarify. Yeah, that that's the thing is Miller, Miller had the gun. Miles texted him to get, bring it to him. He did so, and then that was the gun gotcha. used in the alleged murder that night. Okay. Well, so he didn't. No, he couldn't have known that he was going to do that. No. If he was just returning, well, my, my next question would be at the meeting, son, why were you borrowing his gun? Yeah, you're a college basketball yeah, well, player. Why are you borrowing his gun? What, what? A, why do you have a gun? B, why are you borrowing his gun? Yeah. Yeah, that would be my question to my players, not, you know, in media, you know, scrums. I wouldn't be talking about that in, in front of them. But, you know, he couldn't have known that when he was returning the gun to him, that he was going to go do Also, just the phrase, you can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. That's a comment you make if you like, you're like, worst case scenario, your player like has, is on DraftKings betting on games, he's, like college basketball games. Scrambling. You're like, well, I can't, I can't yeah. pull everything. That's not the comment you have when there's a murder involved. And yeah, he's scrambling. Kerry, as a college athlete, once your season starts, there is no outside of practice. Right? If you're no. a casual college athlete, you're. Randy. If it happened to one of my kids right now, I wouldn't say yeah. I can't control what they. I would be heartbroken for the for 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 everyone involved and and upset that one of my kids made a poor decision uh, to do something like that. That that would be. But I'm not going to say, oh, they are they are out of my control. I'm not I'm not part of that. That's you're kinda, the CEO. Uh, yeah, you're 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 trying to remove yourself from the situation at all costs when. You really didn't even have to give an answer in that moment. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's Matthew. That's Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. Coming up as we start our 10 o'clock hour, and boy, are we tired, we're going to give you the latest bracketology for Mizzou and Illinois and the A-10 winner. That's next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Joe Lenardi has his latest bracketology out at ESPN.com and Mizzou with an overtime win last night over Mississippi State. At the moment, Kerry Davis is listed as a 10 seed by ESPN's bracketology. And if this is correct, and they're pretty good about getting the teams, not necessarily the matchups all the time, but right now they would have Mizzou as a 10 seed in Denver against Michigan State in the first round. I know that's something that you would enjoy immensely. Yeah, well, uh personally you know mm-hmm. I, I would I, I think um I want I want everyone to have fun and have success in the tournament and I, and the Illini and Mizzou are going to have a chance to do that if if they continue to win games win big games um my Illini are are a team that obviously I love and and, and when it comes to tournament time I'm generally picking them to make it to the sweet 16 elite eight they they've struggled in years past, even though they've been high-rated seeds, they just haven't gotten the job done. So maybe this year coming in with not as much fanfare as they've had over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Two years ago, they were a number one seed. Um, Randy, that was Loyola, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Michelle was yeah, crushed yeah, about yeah. that. Oh, she wasn't the only one. Maggie was excited, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I wasn't. I was. I was distraught, and that was a very good team. Um, and last year again, they had a very good team as well. Just unable to to get over the hump uh, and get into the to the to the Sweet Sixteen. Right now, the Illini are listed as a number seven seed out west in Sacramento. Yeah, and they would play Youngstown State, presumably in the first round if this bracketology is correct. Do you like that? Is is number seven, Is do you think that's a fair seeding for the Illini? I, I do. Like I said, I, I don't think that they've played particularly well this year. They've had some ups and downs. They had some tough games. You know, took a tough loss at Indiana a couple of days ago. But I think that they are I don't know that they are a, a ch- I don't know that they have a chance to win the tournament this year with the roster that they have. But I think they have some pressure on some teams. And same thing with Mizzou. I think, you know, they may not have a team or a roster to win the the national championship, but they can put some pressure on some teams probably. And I, I hate to say this. I would say Mizzou more so than the Illini, just based on their style of play, mm-hmm. the ups and downs, the, the – the last two shots that they've hit over the last three games to win games is, has been pretty awesome and amazing for that team, and it, it's probably pushing them more into a, uh, a a better seed potentially where they won't. It might not be a double digit seed. They might end up being an eight or a nine where you know they have a little bit of better, easier chance than, than if they were a ten or eleven. I hate to give up on SLU, but I've given up on SLU in the A10, yeah. and the the bracketology has VCU as the only A10 qualifier, the automatic qualifier. Yeah. And they have them against St. Mary's. But let's start with SLU. I want to get to a a potential mid-major versus mid-major matchup in a moment. But I'm really disappointed by SLU. You lose a home game or uh, lose a road game last night to Richmond. That's a game that you got to win if you want to get that double bye. And you, you still, if I'm not mistaken, they control their own destiny if they win against Dayton and VCU. To end the season, they can still win the conference, but that's a really tall task. You've got to take advantage of those kinds of games against Richmond. Yeah, we were talking about how important that that first seed overall for the for the A10 tournament would be having a double bye. It doesn't look like they'll be in a position to get that, and they're going to have to fight their way through. 
if they want to make the tournament because it looks as though, you know, the A-10 is going to get one bid, which will be the automatic bid for winning the tournament. SLU has has done – they are they are kind of, a I think, a frustrating team because you know they have the talent, you know that they have the ability, but at times they just either not making shots, turning the ball over, can't not taking – Can't finish games. And, and if you go stretches of two, three minutes without putting the ball in the basket – and not getting stops on the defensive end, you're probably going to end up losing that game. Okay, Kerry, I need your opinion on this because you are a devotee of Power 5 schools. Mm -hmm. And this bracketology has UConn against West Virginia. And even though the Big East isn't... uh, What it used to be. No, it's it's not. But it's still considered a basketball major, right? So that you've got UConn and West Virginia as a 12-5 on one side, and then St. Mary's and VCU as a 12-5 on the other side. Because we love upsets, we love Cinderella stories, Mm -hmm. why not have it be VCU against UConn and St. Mary's against Virginia? Why have a mid-major automatically get knocked out right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just the way they feel, you know, the bracket is going to turn out. I, I don't know. Maybe they wanted to keep West Virginia and, and UConn in the East. They 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 seem to be in the East right now and closer to, you know, their their people, their 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 home base as opposed to being in the West and having to go extremely far. It just seems like travel. You, you have so few mid-majors yeah. that give them an opportunity to beat the Power 5 or the Power 6 in basketball in the first round because you lose one of your Cinderella opportunities when you have a game like that. Because when you watch a team like St. Peter's last year, what they were able to do, even the casual fan that may not watch any basketball or not have any clue as to, I don't think many people knew where St. Peter's was, who they were, where they came from, but you learned a lot about them throughout that play, throughout that uh, tournament run because they were having such great success and taking on teams that you say, no way, no way in the world they got a chance yeah. to win this game. And lo and behold, they're winning them. Uh, it, it, it is more, it is more fun to watch the Cinderella's have a chance to beat the, the the major teams in that tournament. And by the way, in this bracketology, there are not many of those situations. I only count a couple. You've got that one that we talked about, VCU and St. Mary's. I think there's only one other mid-major versus mid-major. So this bracketology is probably better than the way the NCAA yeah. tournament committee will handle it. Yeah, I mean, probably. You you have a... Uh, I, I like, I'm always intrigued as how they put together the bracket. Who plays where? You know, who? who how do you decide that that you know a, a team like Northwestern will be in the Western Conference as opposed to in the East or in the in the Midwest? How do you decide that? Where do you decide to allocate teams in terms of of fan base or or how they'll draw in that competition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to. It'd be interesting to be in the room just to see how, okay, yeah. one versus 64, two versus 63, right. how, they, how they break it down. Right. Now, bracketology, their last four in are Nevada, Mississippi State, USC, and Wisconsin. Last four out, the first of the last four out of the 68 teams, North Carolina, Ooh. defending champions, Charleston, New Mexico, and Utah State. And then the next four out would be Oregon, Arizona State, Texas Tech, and Penn State. So let me ask you a question. If if you have North Carolina on the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. My my question is always it, I, I, I mean, I guess I know the answer why they wouldn't be a sixteen seed as opposed to a a ten or eleven, because you don't want to have that sixteen one matchup where they can I guess win that game is that is that well, the, the, I think the correct the other thing is but if they if they're on the bubble or, or a team that fights to get in why wouldn't they be one of the last seeds because 
the eye test will tell you that if North Carolina, for example, played in the Mountain West, okay. that they would blow it away. Okay. So they're, they're just a better team than whoever is going to win the, the Mountain West or you. the A-10. North Carolina okay. would blow away the A-10, right? Right. So I, I think that's why. it's they, they, They're out because of the automatic qualifiers from yeah. the mid-majors. Yeah. But if they were in, they're better than a lot of the teams that are in the tournament. I got you. That makes sense. Yep. I mean, it, it, but it would be much better if they were a 16 seed. Oh, wouldn't that be fun one. against the number one? That would be that would be great fun. How about uh, yeah, uh, a North Carolina against Kansas that, in, to in start round the one? Yeah, Get wouldn't to that it, be fun? Fella. Let's go. <laughs> Let's Let the best man it. win. <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. It's ten twelve. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up, the NBA has a problem with load management. It's a big problem. How do they fix it? That's next on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. If there's anything I could change about the league to make it better, probably just all the guys sitting resting. That's the only thing I probably don't like. Um, just play, man. If you if you if you 80 percent, you got to play. I, I don't I don't like all the sitting missing games and stuff like these people. These people might have enough money to come to one game, you know what I'm saying? And it, that might be the game they come to and then you sitting out, you know what I'm saying? So I take pride in trying to play every game because I don't know, it might be one fan that has never seen me play and I'm trying to play, so. That is Anthony Edwards, and that is a great comment. It's mm-hmm. the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And, Kerry, I get that science has brought us to this point where – Players in the NBA can't play 82 games anymore because science has determined that they'll be much more effective in the playoffs if they get X amount of games off during the season. But as Anthony Edwards said, there are a lot of people that only come to one game. Who's your son's favorite player? Uh, Steph Curry. Steph. Okay, so you can get tickets to travel to Indianapolis and see Steph, and you get the tickets Two and a half months ahead of time, you pay big money because it's the Warriors, but you're paying probably 400 bucks for a pair of tickets. You get to the arena and you find out that Steph Curry isn't playing because of load management. And your young son yeah. doesn't get a chance to see his favorite player. Number one, I know that he's crushed. I know yeah. you're, you're pissed. Oh, yeah. But it also, I don't think, is good for the league. And I'm, I'm with Anthony Edwards. I think that teams should do everything they can to win every game. Take it a step further. Forget Indianapolis. Let's say you go to uh, San Francisco. You're right, yeah. <laughs> you take the trip. You fly all the way out there. You, you you get the hotel. You make a trip out of it. And then you realize that your your favorite player isn't going to play. I understand the load management to a, to a degree. I don't agree with it. I think that if you're playing a professional sport, it is a privilege to be able to play a professional sport. Every chance you get to go out there, because, Randy, you don't know when the last game is the last one. You never know when it could be over for you. So I I think playing playing the game that you love, that you're paid to play, would be the best way to go about it. And I think the NBA has has one or two options if they aren't going going to force load management out of the game. Either shorten the season, which we know that's not going to happen, nope. in terms of number of games, go from eighty-two to seventy, which again that's not going to happen, or extend the season, meaning less back-to-backs, start the season earlier, end it later. It's going to be a longer season, but it's less time, you know, where you have to play back-to-back games, and then you have to come to an agreement that guys can't play sixty games out of eighty-two because they took. 
22 games off because their body was not. Randy, if you have better medicine now, better uh, 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 things to help your body recover sooner, why are you playing less? It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense at all. If if players in the 80s and 90s had less technology to, to help their bodies recover, less you know things that would be able to be done to allow them to play night in and night out, yet they played every day, why are players now taking less opportunities to play the game? It's because they're being allowed to. Yeah. No other reason. And again, you can't force somebody to do anything. But, Rand, if you take a load management day, should you be paid for that game? Well, the, lead, the, the the problem here is that the teams are advocating this. It, 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 it's their science. That's it's not the players. That's fine. And as a as a so if if I I know one way to get these guys on the court, if in the next collective bargaining agreement they have to say, well, if you take a load management day, meaning you weren't injured in the game before, there was no report of an injury, and you're just taking a day off. No salary for that game. You know how much, how many more games would be played every night? Yeah. It, it, you it, might have LeBron taking a day off because, you know, I don't know what he makes per game. Maybe it's uh, what, a million dollars or $500,000 a game. Maybe more he, than that. He can take yeah, a, he's making a million a game, right? No, he's making no, he's, he's probably 48, no, 40, yeah, 40, half, 40, yeah, half a million a game. So, so $500,000 a game. Yeah. He'd probably say, I need a night off. But I'm, I'm fine. LeBron, even at his age, he's taken less load management days than, than most guys. I give him credit, actually, because it, it, he's 37 years old. Yeah. He deserves, actually, more time off. But it is, to me, the young guys, the Jimmy Butlers. And the worst thing is, is when, and I'm just going to use Golden State as an example because it did happen. I think it was a game in Miami where Steph, Clay, and Draymond all sat. Yeah. And that's the other thing. If it's a road game and you're only playing there once the entire year because mm-hmm. with, with Steph and, and, and the Golden State Warriors going to Miami, they go home and home. So they'll play there once. The Miami Heat will come to, to them once. If you're going there for one game out of the year and you choose to sit that game, I I despise that for for the game in general. And oh, I, I always admired one, one second here, Matthew. I, I always admired Albert because Albert said, "Hey, there are people here that are traveling and paying to yeah. see me play, and I don't want to disappoint them." And that's why Albert tried to play every game in his prime because he knew home or road that yeah. he was part of the focus, yep. and people were coming to see him play, and he wanted to make sure that if they did come to see him play, that he performed for them. This is kind of a continuation of the of the slam dunk contest a little bit. The stars have a little bit of a of a separation from what the fans want, which is. You're 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 hurting your league by having this mentality. It's the same thing with again not participating in the dunk contest and things like that. You're hurting the league with this mentality. And listen, I, I'm a huge NBA fan, obviously, but I can't. Every time I think about the fact that I'm going to go to a, a a game in March, my thought process goes to all right. Which one uh, between Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Jokic? Who's not going to play that game? Because there's no way I get all four. And that shouldn't be a thought process I have a month or two months out of going to my second ever NBA game, but it undoubtedly is something I keep thinking about. Did you see that? I sent you an article, I sent you a a clip a couple of days ago where Stephen A. Smith blamed LeBron for the dunk contest. Yeah. Because he essentially, being the first real superstar that chose not to participate in it, Vince Carter did, Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins Mm -hmm. did, Dr. J. Like you have Mm -hmm. the the legacy of, of dunkers. 
Kobe Bryant did. The, okay, difference there being is Kobe was Kobe wasn't Kobe when he did that. It doesn't matter. LeBron LeBron never did it, and Michael was Michael when he did it. Dominique was Dominique That's when the they did it. So the fact that he never chose to do that, he really set off a a a, a, a chain of events that that has has forced or change the mindset of these younger players. Hey, hey, if LeBron doesn't do it, if he never did it, why should I? It's less competition yeah, and, involved and, in sports hey, these days. Do you guys think, and you may have read about the science, has load management ever helped a team win a championship? I don't think so. I think Kawhi is the king of load management. and he So is, you could say that he, I mean, he, he load managed a lot in Toronto that year. He okay. That's the one example is Kawhi Leonard. Not as much as he load managed in San Antonio as last year. You're darn right. You're darn right about that. And so, so he was doing that in Toronto because they were still wondering if his leg was going to rebound. But I mean, other than that, we haven't seen it be a huge factor in in a lot of championships over the last five years. Yeah, he is the he is the poster card for for load management. When you think of load management, Kawhi Leonard is the first name that I think comes up. Um, but I, I just don't think it, that it's good for basketball. I don't think that it's good for for these fans, like you said, that are spending their money. Anthony Edwards has the right mindset, and maybe maybe he becomes the superstar uh, player that that can change that mindset. And no, we're playing every night. We're we're going to work our butts off, and we're going to win championships because of it. Because I don't think that you win. I don't think you can win a championship by missing games and taking days off. You're losing valuable spots in the in the standings and not putting yourself or your team in a position to win and, and win games every single night. Let me give you some numbers here. Games played. 82, 82, 81, 82, oh, 82, yeah. 80, 78. Mm-hmm. Did not play. 17. 82, 82, hmm. 82. Hmm, I think I know who this might be. Oh, yeah. There's one. Sounds and like Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Retired for three years, 60, and then at the age of 39, 82. It's pretty damn good, Randy. And here's and, 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 and the mindset, listen, I'm the reason Michael did that is because he's his competitive. Awesome. His, he was awesome because his, competitive. his competitiveness was off the charts. And that's why what I said here is they just really need to understand the marketing no. side of what they're doing. No. And the winning and side I, I, of what they're saying, doing. I, the winning side, the competitiveness matters. But I'm saying is, if I can't get through to them competitiveness, and it should have, right. if they're not going to make that decision themselves, then they need to make a conscious decision the, about the, what they need to be doing here for the future of the sport. The reason that's why you, that's why Stephen A. Smith said what he said. The reason you should be playing professional sports is because you are competitive. I agree. It is. It, it is when you go to the basketball court and there's a guy that says he's better than you. You know what you do? You toss him the ball and say, "Let's get to it." That's that's the 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 how the crux of how this sport or these games started for you as a child it's competing against somebody that says they're better than you when you're at the park and this kid says he's faster than you let's go we take your shoes off and see who can run faster let's get to it the competitiveness has changed and it is changing the landscape of sports the, 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 all right. of the sports science that you can you can miss me with that. I don't know why what did Jim Brown do? I don't, I don't know why that matters. That's my. I don't think the, that's the the, yes, it does. I don't think that's the reason. What did Jim Brown do? Jim Brown rubbed dirt on it and went to play. That that's how I went about my day. If you are competitive, Kobe Bryant had that competitiveness. Michael Jordan had that competitiveness. Those guys were going to take it from you no matter what. And. It didn't matter who thought that they were better. They felt they were better every single time. CD, 2008 U.S. Open. Tor, uh, Tiger Woods on a torn up knee and a torn ACL and a broken leg. I'm going to take it. He won it in a playoff. Yes. It's the, the competitiveness 
is 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 shrinking in sports. Yeah, we, there isn't and it's as going much. To, it's going to change the landscape of sports in the future. And by the way, I I will say that I'm a little bit hypocritical here because two years ago I was absolutely thrilled when the Cardinals load managed the hell out of Matt Carpenter down the stretch. <laughs> so, uh, gotta tell you, that's, that's just a fact. It's just, just a fact. Hey, there's a couple of blues I wouldn't mind them load managing down the stretch. Yeah, well, they don't have any. They, they they can't. They don't have enough guys to play. Oh darn it! Yeah, coming up here on 101 ESPN, Lamar Jackson still negotiating with the Ravens. Does he have them backed into a corner now? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This team has been adamant that Lamar Jackson will be in Baltimore. And while it feels like this relationship, based on some of those Instagram posts from Lamar and some tweets, it seems like it's gotten a little chilly over the last few weeks in terms of where they're at. It's chilly because they can't agree on that guaranteed money, Al. That's why they can't get a deal done. And this has been the issue going back to this from the start of the season. That is ESPN's Diana Rossini talking about the relationship between the Ravens and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who has uh, been pretty open, although he hasn't really said it definitively, that he wants the Deshaun Watson contract, which yeah. is a totally guaranteed deal. And he, Jackson, represents himself. And to this point, obviously, because he's not signed, the Ravens have been reluctant to give him that deal that uh, Deshaun Watson got. Since Watson signed, Kyler Murray signed for big money, not totally guaranteed with Arizona. Russell Wilson signed for big money, not totally guaranteed with Denver. There's one other quarterback that signed for big money, not totally guaranteed. And Todd Munkin, the new Ravens offensive coordinator yesterday in his introductory press conference, when asked about whether or not he's concerned about Jackson missing all of the organized team activities and training camp leading up to the regular season, Munkin said, sure, he'll be behind, but it's still just football. Sometimes we make this out to be way too much. We cater to what he knows and play. So, CD, would you be concerned if you were the Ravens' new offensive coordinator and Lamar Jackson isn't there? Because I think Lamar has them backed into a corner now. Uh, I would be a little bit concerned, seeing as how it's going to be a new offense, new terminology, um, and, and your quarterback, the guy that is supposed to call the plays, isn't there. I'd be a little bit concerned, but I, I would hope that Everything is going to get done in due time. And I do agree, Randy. I think he has put them in a position where, you know, they didn't want to pay him because of injury. They were worried about him, him, his injury history and not being able to finish seasons because of his style of play. But you also see, well, if he doesn't play, what's going to happen? You don't have – you're not going to be a good enough team if you don't have a former NFL MVP under center taking each snap, playing quarterback for you and and – you saw that in the playoffs. You saw that t- down the end of the stretch of the season. You had Tyler Hundley and you had Anthony Brown playing quarterback, mm-hmm. and neither of which are Lamar Jackson. So the Ravens are in a in a in a bit of a pickle. They're going to have to find some common ground. I know everyone is talking about the Deshaun Watson contract being an outlier, and and no one is going to pay that amount of money. The Browns did it because the Browns had to, and because they're the Browns, and and no one else is willing to 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 put their foot that far, you know, out in front of them to to make that contract statement. Lamar is going to want 
upwards to two hundred million. He's going to want more than what Russell Wilson make. Mm-hmm. He's going to want more than what Kyler Murray make, and and that's going to that number is going to be right around two hundred million. It'll be more than that, well, guaranteed. Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing: if if you're the Ravens now in this multi-billion-dollar business where your franchise is worth four billion, Deshaun Watson got a five-year contract worth two hundred thirty million dollars, all guaranteed. Yeah, Kyler Murray got a five-year contract worth two hundred and thirty and a half million dollars. 190 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. What difference to the team does it really make 40 million bucks over the course of five years? If it were, I, <laughs> and I think that's the sticking point. I think they aren't even at the 200 million level. I, I think that's the starting starting spot for Lamar, and it, it might be the 230 See, million guaranteed. I, I have to go if I'm the Ravens. I'm saying 235 for five. What the hell? Would you say 231? Yeah. Two, yep, 230. Yeah. 231. Yeah, right. He's got to get more than Murray. He's got to get more than Kyler Murray. We'll right? give you a dollar more yeah. than, 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 than what Deshaun Watson is making. Right. But I would give him an overall deal. And the, and the agent's going to want, uh, well, it's he Lamar. He's an agent. agent. Yeah. But he's still going to want to be, he's going to want to surpass in overall potential yeah. dollars. Kyler Murray's yeah. 230 and a half. Yeah. So 231, fine. 231 yeah. million. All guaranteed? Yeah, I think it's easy now. Over I think the next five years. How many years is it? It's five years. Five years. So 40 million for an NFL team. $40 million over five years. What the hell? I mean, the the, the Packers are ready to swallow $40 million for Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers right now, he's right? Getting, he's going to be $60 million yeah. next year, isn't he? Yeah, yeah some crazy like a lot of money. we got an interesting text here. The Baltimore Ravens front office is full of it because if you're concerned about Lamar Jackson's health and style of play, then put weapons around him that he can make plays with and not just take up space, and then he wouldn't have to run if he had really good receivers he can throw to. This is interesting because when I was talking talking to Anthony Stalter off air, and, and our, we kind of came to the, uh, a similar conclusion, which was, wouldn't it be better for him overall if, if they had an offensive coordinator who, if they give him some wide receivers, actually have him play out from under center a little bit more, that way take him away from those parts where he is going to get injured. I actually love this text. I think he's right. The Ravens have have built a team that accentuates not only the talents, but but potentially the risks of Lamar Jackson. Maybe this the problem here isn't him. It's how you've built the team around him. And then you have to pay him. If you're going yeah. to build a team that's based upon his specific talents, yeah. then you pay him. And by the way, they they have brought in guys over the years. They brought in Jeremy Macklin. They brought in Rashad Bateman. They had uh, who, who was the other? Hollywood Brown. Hmm? Hollywood Brown yeah, Hollywood was there, Brown. yeah. So th- they've had guys. It just hasn't worked out. And part of that was the scheme. The Gre- Greg Roman passing scheme was not what you would want, but hopefully that'll change. And Le- Lamar Jackson will be there. He's going to and, – and if you don't sign him – to a to a, a a deal, he's going to get the franchise tag, which is mm-hmm. exclusive rights franchise tag. It's going to be forty five million, right? So yeah. he, he right now you're you're one year in to what would have been that contract if you chose to to pay it. He's going to get paid his money one way or another. And and my opinion, how how I see it, if he does go the franchise tag route, he may be a guy that sits out. You know, until those last six weeks of the season oh, where yeah. he has to get credited for well, an entire season, and that way he can be right back at it again. Just come in and play from the beginning of the season and be do what Kirk Cousins did. Cousins parlayed the two he franchise did. tags into three years and 90 guaranteed from the Vikings. Different era, obviously, but that's what 
Lamar would be able to do. I would rather go the Emmitt Smith route and sit out the first couple of games then they realize, oh, we need you. We need you. <laughs> Let, let's sign this contract. But they already know. They do, but sometimes you got to be you got to make an you got to make a point and really show them if he gets the franchise tag, I would not be surprised if he decided yeah. to hold out and sit out. I wouldn't either. My point though is that what you talked about at the end of last season. If that didn't teach them, then they aren't going to figure it out. They aren't. Yeah. So, but that's the reason why I wouldn't play at that point. I'd just be like, okay, you're going to franchise tag me. When you decide to pay me the full amount, I'll show up. If not, I'll be here for the last few weeks of the season yep. so I can get my credit a year and go into next year's, next year as a free agent. You just got to be careful. With because less you, hits on my yeah, body. You don't want to become Le'Veon Bell. No, he won't be. He 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 won't be. Le'Veon made a made a poor decision, in my opinion, chasing after a few more dollars when he was set up perfectly for that offense. Wherever Lamar goes, the offense is going to be set up perfectly for him. That's the difference. Yeah. He needs to avoid where Greg Roman goes. That's I all. I think he will. That's it. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I'm going to head out. BK's going to come in. Uh, great job, Matthew. Thank you very much. Pleasure. CD, we'll do this again tomorrow, except it'll only be three hours. My man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, we, we appreciate you being with us. We'll, we will be back at 7, but stick around, be, but stick around because BK, CD, and Matthew will take you up till 11 here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think we say that every year because it's true. There's usually a spot where you're you're eager to see kind of how it unfolds and there's competition. Um, More than any other year, I would say there's going to be a lot of competition this year. There's a lot of spots that if you take your foot off the pedal, you will get passed. (laughs) And um, I look forward to seeing all of it. Welcome back to the opening drive. That was Ali Marmol talking about the competition that is going to be happening this season with the Cardinals in spring training. And joining us now is Brandon Kylie. We've got an old school crossover here, BK. How, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I heard earlier today, the way that I remembered that I'm coming in today is Rocky <laughs> mentioned while I was in my car driving in this morning that I was going to be a pass rusher against oh, Kerry yeah, we Davis. Were, we, were, we were getting it set up. You, we, you, you we were, were in what world <laughs> would I attempt to do something as stupid as that? Oh, we, we were getting one, it set up. One, we were, where, we were just, one where yeah. we all need a little comedy on a, on a Wednesday. Yeah, I wasn't setting it up like in your favor or anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Nobody was concerned about that going in my favor. I, 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 my, my goal was exactly that other people, not you necessarily, would be sitting in their cars, hear that, and would just be, get a nice oh. little chuckling vi- yeah. vision of, how would that go for BK? Yeah. Poorly. Poorly. No, I, I, can, I, I, I will agree. Away. I'm not going to. You know, I love you, BK, but I don't think it would go well either. Hey, so w- what are your thoughts about uh, Ali talking about this competition? Tyler O'Neill asking to go play center field and compete for that spot. What, what do you think about that? I want to lean on your expertise in this area. Because okay. you've been in these spots where you get into spring training, training mm-hmm. camp, whatever it is. got to fight for a spot, right? right. Tyler O'Neill is an established veteran on this team at this point. Yeah. Now, he's a guy that two years ago was considered to be a legitimate MVP candidate. And then last year, everything went to crap for yeah. him. It started out with the arbitration hearings, and that got in in his mind, and it kind of snowballed on him there. And then you have the injuries, and it just was a a year from hell where he's going to look back on it and say, hopefully after this year, uh, that that, that was the outlier. Every other season when I've been healthy, I've been a consistent and quality player. So I am curious from your perspective, if you're in Tyler O'Neill's head right now, like <laughs> what does this do for you? Because now you've got an opportunity of the carrot, right? Yeah. It's not just the stick where they're saying like, hey, we need you to be better. It's also, hey, if you are better, 
not only will you be our starting left fielder, but there's a chance for you to be in the glamour position yeah. of being in center. I think, well, I, maybe and I, maybe I didn't hear it right. I don't know if he went to Ollie and said he wanted to, because I think that's what, what um, Claves told us yesterday. Mm-hmm. He actually went to Ollie and said, I want the opportunity to play center field, which to me means I want to compete for this spot. This is my spot, and I feel like I'm the best person for this spot. And And – that mindset going into the season, I think that's a healthy Tyler O'Neill with a healthy mindset, believing that he can be the best outfielder on that roster, you know, if if Jordan Walker isn't here. And, and he's probably still going to believe it even when Jordan Walker does arrive. I, I like it. Because I, I, if it was me, I, I think that that sends a signal to, to everyone in that outfield. Hey, I'm here. I'm healthy. And this is mine. And I'm going to compete for it. Not just because I'm saying it's mine. I'm going to show you that it's mine. I'm going to show you that I am that top 10 MVP caliber player that I was a few years ago. And, and this is why I want to play center field. As you said, the glamour position mm-hmm. of, of the three. I'm the best one for the position. I'm the most athletic out here. And I, sh- I can show you better than I can tell you. I think the other thing that it does is if he can play in center, what it tells you from the Cardinals' perspective is that they trust his health. Yeah. Because it is a much bigger grind, especially at Bush Stadium, playing in center field, Mm -hmm. having to cover all of that surface area as opposed to just being in left. Right. You just you play down the line, you're you're good to go, right? And if he's able to play center, if they trust him in that spot, it tells you that they they believe in what he did during the offseason. He changed up his training regimen a bit. He's doing the Pilates stuff. He's doing stretching. He's going on longer runs, distance runs, to hopefully have his legs hold up over the course of the season. And that shows you that not just Tyler O'Neill is saying it, but the Cardinals actually believe it this time around, which I do not believe has been the case in previous seasons. That Pilates and yoga, the the strengthening and lengthening of those muscles, when you are so strong and so big, your muscles are, are kind of coiled up and, and, and easier to pop, mm-hmm. which tends to happen when you're running fast and, and those things just, they give out on you. It's too much. But to, to lengthen those muscles, it may be something where his, his body – uh, BK may feel better than he's ever felt in his life because when you're a, a heavy power lifter, you know you you compact everything, and so you you're used to short spurts and and getting to the area quickly. But when you got to run and open it up a little bit, his body may actually feel better, the best he's ever felt as a professional athlete, which is part of the reason why he could say, "Hey, I think center field would be the best position for me." Yeah, and it might be like day one, he's fine. Day two, yeah. he's fine. Day three, he's fine. But in previous years, you get to day. 57, yeah. day 85, and it's like, man, my, my body is just starting to wear down on yes. me. It's that endurance that's a problem for him, not the quick spurts. And this year, the hope is that that'll be a little bit different. I do have a little bit of a tinfoil on this, though. Okay. Carrie. I think part of what we're seeing here is we are having to adjust the way that we view the Cardinals. And what I mean by that is Ollie Marmol handles things differently. Mm-hmm. He handles his lineup differently. It's not going to be static. It's going to d- change depending on like who... That? I love it. I, I think it's the smart way to go about it. I'm not a fan of it. How come? I, I like every day knowing where a guy is going to be, and I think it gives you a, a rhythm knowing who's in front of you or who's behind you. You kind of learn who they are and what they do well or what they don't do well, and you kind of have an expectation uh, of what to, to what to expect You know, day in and day out. For me, 
I just like the 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 consistency of having knowing he's the number two hitter, he's the number three, he's four, you know three and four are going to be yeah. three and four, but everyone else around them. I feel like changing it up at times can change up the next batter's, you know, plate appearance. Sure. I, I think it's about maximizing your output, right? Okay. Like, if we as Cardinals fans want the team to be the best group possible, and mm. that's what we all want. We right. just want them to win. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, whoever's in the lineup on a day-to-day basis, we just want them to win. And Ollie Marmel has decided, and I think he's right, the best way to win day-to-day is not by having Tommy Edmond as my everyday line or leadoff hitter. Okay. Instead, Tommy Edmond is really good against left-handed hitters. So I want him to face lefties as often as possible. Right. And when there's a lefty on the mound that is a starter, I'm going to get him the most at-bats possible against that lefty. I got you. But when a righty is on the mound, he's actually our worst option to gotcha. be leadoff. And instead, Brendan Donovan, Lars Newbar, these guys are amazing against right-handed pitching. And so we're going to get them the most at-bats possible. So in those opportunities, they're going to be up towards the top of the lineup. That being said, I do think what you're saying there is important about the middle of the order. I think you're going to see the same three, four guys batting yeah. like two through five every day. Okay. That, that for me is the consistency that Absolutely. I'm talking about. If you want to take Tommy uh, Edmond out because he's better against lefties versus righties, then I'm fine with that. But it's that, really that, about, that, hey, who can of that set lineup, the table yeah, the best? Yeah, the meat of that lineup, you know, if it's if it's Contreras, uh, Godi Arenado, whatever that order is, let it be that. That's the part that I, I like the consistency in and that the part of the reason why this order. applies to the outfield specifically is that you look back at last season, I don't know that there was like a starting outfield. Depends on the matchup. Yep. And so Tyler O'Neal very well may be in certain situations your starting center fielder. Okay. And then on other days, he's not. And it gives you more matchup versatility. Absolutely. Instead of being stuck and only having a guy in center field who you can't move around. Well, now you can go with a matchup and say, well, Dylan Carlson's going to be our center. We're going to have Tyler O'Neill in left today and, you know, Newbar, uh, Walker maybe in right. You can change things up, and I think that's the big thing. And, and more importantly, I just think when you look at this lineup, you talked about two, three, you, you talked about maybe, you know, three, four, five. For you, would you be okay with a move around depending on how an O'Neill's hitting, or do you want like a Contreras or an O'Neill? Talking two through five. I'm talking. I'm talking specifically in that five spot, following kind of following Goldie and Arenado. Do you think? Do you have a guy you, that has to be either in two before them or in five after them? No, I think Contreras is in one of those spots. Like I don't know which one it's going to end up being, but yeah. I think he'll either be two or five uh, depending on how things go this season. I think that tool is going to be super interesting. It could be Tyler O'Neill. It mm. could be Lars Newpar. It could be Brendan Donovan. It could be, uh, I mean, maybe by Dylan, by the end of the season, Dylan Carlson is that guy. I have no idea who's going to end up there. But, I mean, best case scenario, the best lineups, you do tend to see a little bit of consistency through that middle portion of the order that you're talking about, Kerry. It just depends on if those guys are performing or not. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect last season going into the playoffs that Albert Pools was going to be batting second for you. <laughs> right. And then suddenly he was <laughs> right. because he was your legitimate right. best option yeah. in that spot. That's what all he's going to do. In the outfield, though, I think you basically have four outfielders that are going to play that, that, on an almost everyday basis. That leads to my next question. Who gets the most starts in right field? Who gets the most starts in center? Who gets the most starts in left? I think that like if you were playing the odds, I would say the guy that gets the most starts in right is Newt. The guy that gets the most starts in center is still Carlson, and the guy that gets the most starts in left is still Tyler O'Neill. That would is be that my your, bet. Is that your opening day lineup? I think so. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, 
Jordan Jordan Walker or or Alec Burleson, Moises Gomez, none of those guys. I wouldn't have them on my opening day. Like, am I excited by them? Yeah. Absolutely. I also think that people put way too much pressure on young guys in general. Yeah. I, yeah. If Jordan Walker comes up this year and is roughly a league average hitter, that'd be a good season for him. Right. As a rookie, he's, he's twenty years old. The <laughs> expectation is All Star MVP as a rookie of the year at, 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 in his first year. So. Exactly. It's too much. Yeah. We'll let's see let's how talk about some reasonable expectation, though, which is, of course. Where do you think Lars New? Where, where is your expectation for Lars Newbar? Because you know what's fun. I, I, I talk about way, that coming up. Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I love the way you talk about Lars Newbar because specifically the, the you. I've heard you talk about this on the shows a couple times last year when you talk about how the unknown in a guy who took a jump that you never could have seen coming in the minors to the majors, sure. and now how does that change? where the ceiling conversation is. I mean his ceiling is an all-star. He he could be an all-star this year. There's a couple you think of so? pieces. Yeah. You think you think it's it's that high? Yeah, for Newt. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You, you look at any of the, and I know people get frustrated by it sometimes, but you look at any of the advanced numbers on him, man, he takes a ton of walks, he hits the ball really hard, and he hits for average. You combine those three things, and you have plus defense in right field, got a good arm, plus athleticism. You've got a player that can be a legitimate all-star going into the season. But also, I don't know. Like, we've seen it for, yeah. what, over the course of his entire two-year career now? four months so yeah. i have no idea if, if he can sustain that's that that's the funny part for me is it's such a short period of time and we're already kind of making decisions if a guy cannot play i kind of feel that way about alec burleson we sure. haven't seen enough of him to decide yeah he's no good throw him away he, he's got to go i don't know I, I don't know and that's why this outfit i continue to tell randy this outfield situation is so exciting for me because you don't know who's going to be out there, whether it be because of injury or because young guys just haven't had those opportunities. I think that's the highlight of this spring training to see who gets that spot. I'm the guy that is higher on this Cardinals offense than basically anybody you'll talk we might, to. We might be, we, we might be, you might be one, I might be two. I'm, I think I'm right I behind I think they you. have a chance to be the best offense in baseball this I, year. I think they're going to be really good. <laughs> it it could too. be really good, and part of the reason why is the conversation that we just had about Ollie. I think he's going to maximize the offense. I, I think part of what is tough for a lot of these simulations, these projection systems to be able to forecast is does your manager put the right guys in the lineup at the right time sequencing is super important it's like play calling in the nfl right it's not just about the design it's about when you call them and how you set them up same thing is true about when you play your guys in major league baseball and i think ollie marmel that is a skill of his he's really good at figuring out okay where is this guy on this day how do i keep him at the peak performance when does he need rest when do we get him days off his feet as a dh he did a really good job of that last year, and I'm curious to see how that plays into their success in 2023. That's Brandon Kylie. I'm Kerry Davis. Thank you, Matthew. Matthew Rocchio. Always we'll a be, pleasure, Kerry. We'll be back tomorrow. Coming up next, you got BK and Ferrario. You'll hear a little bit more of that baseball breakdown. That's, That's up right. next on 101 ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.